you, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 150 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And uh, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I skipped the last one. I just didn't <clears throat> feel like being here. But. Yeah. Uh, Taylor's back, guys. Hey. Hey. Who missed him? Me. Anyone? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm so happy you're back. Me too. Even though, even though Silas would like talk film with me. <laughs> you won't do that. What do you mean, talk film? Just like uh, the, the, the um, uh, not the artistic nature of it, but like the me- mechanics of it, I guess. Oh. I mean, I'm not a director, so. Oh, well, I know. <laughs> anyway, uh, how was your trip? It was good. Yeah. It, it rained a lot, but. That'll happen. It, it was warm, so it was better than being here. Uh, I mean, I'd kind of rather have it be like cold and dry than warm and raining because that feels awful. But it snowed here while I was gone. That's true, but only it snowed for like a day. Oh, all right, or a couple, maybe. I don't know. Actually, Max got fucked up, or Max and Max and Avalon got fucked up. We did. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, guys, Max and Avalon are here. <laughs> we'll get to them. <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, the Buffs got married. Yep. It's like that movie. It's like uh, the, the Peggy Sue got married. It's like, oh, it's like that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just like that. <laughs> uh, you were there for like an entire week, right? Six days. Six days. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, they're moving there. Really? Yep. And what are they gonna do? Well, he's he's an events coordinator of yeah. some sort. So. Apparently, he's gonna be able to work remotely. So really, yeah. Okay. But I mean, even if not, it's there's no shortage of events going on in hawaii yeah i'm sure well not that necessarily like resorts would necessarily be hiring but i imagine there'd be plenty of work should you get hired at one yeah um cool well i'm glad you had you had fun yeah okay i was just gonna assume <laughs> i brought you back a little a little luck tiki a little so your tiki. luck can turn around yeah because things have been fun for me <laughs> Like, I was late today because my dog shit all over himself. Poor guy. Great times. <laughs> Too much fun. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, yes. So, as, as, they, uh, as, as they were mentioned. Oh, fuck. So, I didn't I, sleep well last night either, so. Originally, this was going to be an H.P. Lovecraft dedicated episode. Yeah. Um, we are going to watch Color Out of Space and Cthulhu. But turns out, Color Out of Space was only coming out in select theaters right. and not VOD as it was originally advertised. And a last-minute trip to the Egyptian theater in Seattle was not going to work for me. Yeah, I was playing at one theater here. Yeah, in the entire, like, Seattle area. Yeah. Just one theater. And, like, 
what, like one showing a night. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, so we're going to have Max and Avalon on because they're they our resident HP Lovecraft experts. Uh, but we had to change gears and we asked them, do you guys still want to come on? And they agreed. So here they are. The, the owner of Without a Cause Wrestling, Max Aleski, and his beautiful wife, Avalon. Welcome to the show. Dude, he's sitting right there. <laughs> hey, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, welcome to the big show, Avalon. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, first timer. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I listen to you guys all the time, so. Well, thank you. Yeah. I don't. You get to see how they make the sausage. <laughs> um, this is uh, episode 150, as I mentioned, um, and since we had to kind of call an audible and <laughs> figure something else at the last minute. Real quick. <laughs> um we decided that we'd go back to our roots. Episode one, we did, um, uh, we, we compared and contrasted Evil Dead and the Evil Dead remake. Uh, talked about how they were similar, how they're different. Um, and we have not done that since, which is weird because shows like, you know, our peers, our, our contemporaries do, th- do that all the I, time. I kept feeling like we did, but I was like looking back through old episodes and I'm like, I don't think we did. I feel like it's like something that we've, would have done it's like we were going to at some point and just didn't for whatever reason. I think like there's movies where we've talked about the original and we've talked about a remake, but it was different episodes. Could be. Um, wait, did we? No, we didn't do that with it because we did. We had a Stephen King episode with it mm-hmm. and Pet Cemetery. Um, but yeah, so in honor of episode 150, since this is kind of a, like a milestone for us. Um, we decided, yeah, we'd go back to, uh, go back to the roots, so to speak, and compare and contrast, uh, the original 1990 or 1977 film Rabid by David Cronenberg and the 2019 remake, uh, by the Suskas. So, um, we'll jump into that later on. Anyway, uh, so Max, Avalon, how are you guys? Good. Yeah. Just kind of working, doing the normal thing Mm -hmm. and helping with his wrestling show, of course. Yeah. Which is a sponsor of the Crave Plot Film Fest. Right. I'm glad you brought that up, Max. <laughs> Turns out this will be the last time that we pester you with this, but tickets are still available. Uh, it is this Saturday, February 1st. Tickets are available at graveplotfilmfest.com for $12, or you can get them at the door, but it's going to cost you 15 Oh, really? I didn't know that. Might as well save yourself $3, buy them online. Yeah, might as well. Save us from having to make change. Yeah, I don't I was thinking we should get like one of those squares or something so we don't have to handle cash. We should, but it's probably late notice now. I don't know if we can get one of those shipped to us at this point. I have a square. Or they we do? can just use Max's. Absolutely. We'll use Max's. <laughs> just make sure all the money goes to us and not him. Glad I thought. <laughs> no, it's just going to without a cause now. Sorry. <laughs> It'll get back to me eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, whack is going well. I mean, I get updates from Taylor, obviously, but uh, let, let's hear about it from uh, from the man from himself. the boss, from the big boss man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, without a cause, is moving into our second year of production. We're currently, uh, as of Monday, we'll be hosting three different shows uh, online. So you can buy tickets to our February twenty third show, our March twenty first show, and our April eighteenth show. April 18th is our big annual Fool's Gold uh, event, and we will be having Smiley Kylie Ray, uh, who is a uh, current freelance world champion, as well as a former AAW women's champion. Um, and then February, we're bringing in a couple of weird guys, uh, Funny Bone, who 
actually would fit very well on this podcast. Mm-hmm. He's uh, the demigod of death. Um, and uh, CZW champ, uh, sorry, CZW Hall of Famer B-Boy, um, as well as one of the Killer Bays, uh, Heather Monroe from Southern California. And then in March, I can't talk about too much, but we are bringing in Danhausen, who also would be very, very uh, comfortable on this podcast. Very nice. Very evil. <laughs> very nice and yeah. very evil. Love that Danhausen. <laughs> nice. Sounds like some exciting times. Now, Fool's go- Gold, that, that's, that's like your big show, your WrestleMania, so to speak. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. yeah. It's going to have a, uh, a six-man, uh, six-person match uh, for a redacted title. <laughs> a redacted title? Yeah. A I think that's the most title. he said publicly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is there, I mean, what's the, what's the backstory behind that? I, I, I can tell you off mic. I can't oh, talk about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Otherwise, my business partners will kill me. Oh, <laughs> All right, we'll beat him out of it later. Or beat it out of him later. Um, you see, we're gonna beat him off later. <laughs> you could beat him off. <laughs> I mean, wacky. He is, is my boss. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, without a cause, like Taylor said, and Max said, both of them said it. There is a sponsor of the Great Plot Film Festival, but they're not the only people we want to thank uh, for making things happen over on Patreon. Our grave diggers. Help us out in what, what a segue. Was I'm, it, I'm was, proud of you. Was that, was, that was great. No, that was great. It felt clunky, but you know, I was going with it. <laughs> you got there. <laughs> can, can, can I thank them? I have the list. Dude, yeah, go ahead, Max. Hey, our Patreon patrons are Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Carlos Rodella, The Hoarder Addicts, Max Zaleski, that's me, and Aaron Meyer. It's not the first time there's been self gratitude on this show. <laughs> Hold on a second. Okay, that should be better. <clears throat> anyway, uh, yeah. So those are our patrons. Thank you very much, guys. You uh, make a world of difference in keeping the show running. It's not an expensive show, but it does cost money. We have to pay for uh, uploading our MP3s and you know funding our, the website, the website, and um, you know t- Taylor's got a terrible blow addiction. <laughs> I've got gambling. Tony kids. loves banging whores. <laughs> Um, Taylor, if anybody else wants to join the party, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast for as little as $1. You can get exclusive content. Uh, we're, I think we're going to take a break from filming new ones until we get caught up on the old ones. Fair. So, uh, yeah, but we're, we're you know, going to get all those up and then we're going to get back to making these video reviews of films chosen by the Gravediggers on Patreon. $5 gets your name in the episode. $100 gets you a tattoo of a fat unicorn on my ass. Now, Max Avalon, I want to get your opinion on this. I think Taylor should offer stretch goals on the tattoo. Like if somebody donates like $110 that he should like... like um, Give it like a little hat? Give a hat or something. Like an add-on? Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. Yeah, Why a, not? Sure, I don't care. It's a tattoo it's, DLC or something. If somebody else is paying go. for it, I don't care. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of ass, but there's room to work with. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay. 
So was there something you want to talk about for pre-mains? Uh, yeah, the thing I deleted. What was it? <laughs> oh, uh, Tommy Chong wants to write a Cheech and Chong horror movie. Because why not? Everybody else is doing it. Yeah, that was basically his entire reasoning was he was like, all the great comedy duos do it. So I thought it'd be cool. Do, do they? He was like, Abbott and Costello did it. And then also Abbott and Costello also did it. <laughs> and others. <laughs> he literally listed Abbott and Costello twice because he's high out of his mind. Right. Uh, and then I think he maybe he mentioned Jordan Peele, even though that's not a duo. It was just a comedy guy. But No, it's Jordan and Peele, obviously. <laughs> right. I mean, he's from Key and Peele, but Key had nothing to do with it. Um, Key and Michael Key is doing uh, commercials now. Yeah, for Truly. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, he's doing commercials for Truly. Truly, the White Claw ripoff. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. They're yeah, basically okay. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't hold it. Alcohol seltzer. It's it's the same. It's hey, the same. Claws law. Okay. I love that Natty Light is like, yeah, us too. And people are like, no one wants that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody even wants Natty Light's seltzer. Like it's it's water with a little bit of flavoring. In, and is it flavored like it. Natty Light? Because nobody wants that. <laughs> sure. Natty Light flavored seltzer. <laughs> Which is basically just Natty Light. <laughs> just like fizzy Natty Light. Hold on, I gotta go throw up. <laughs> I'll take eight. <laughs> uh, let's see. Do we have anything else we want to cover before we just get started with things? I don't have anything else. You guys have anything else? Cool. Right. Well, let's just do some horror business. So starting out with some real old yeah, yeah. <clears throat> My tongue is too big for my mouth. Ladies. <laughs> That's how he got his wife. <laughs> uh, starting out in some real world horror. True stories. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> You've just been waiting for that, haven't you? It's been like 50 episodes since I've been on, so. I mean, since since we uh, invited have you come on the show, you right. were like, oh, I'm totally going to do that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Man, I haven't done that in a long time. Don't you fucking start <laughs> with me. Uh, we talked before about how troublesome religion can be. We've talked about it many times. Sure. <laughs> um, well, just to add on to the pile, uh, down in Panama, seven people were found dead after a suspected exorcism. I think you're doing it wrong. Huh? So I think they're doing it wrong. Well, I mean, they've been exercised of the demons. The demon that is their life? Right. Well, it's like, it it cracks me up that, like, you know, in, like at least in the, the Catholic Church, like, the, the, the rites of exorcism are very hush-hush. Nobody talks about it. Um, but it's like when they kill somebody... Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, how do you do? Right. When they kill somebody, it's like, oh, well, we saved their soul. <laughs> it's like, they're dead, but we saved them. Like, I don't... I, I, don't I think it. you did the opposite <laughs> of that. <laughs> um... Uh, let's see. Well, you're Catholic, right? No. No? No. Who was that? I mean, it, she's is Catholic. She's Catholic. I could, sorry, I could have no, sworn you were okay. too. No, that's okay. A lot of my family's Mormon, so that might be what you were Mormon. thinking. Mormon. That's what it was. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Mine too. I make zero apologies to anybody for my contempt of organized religion. Sorry. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> um... But uh, yeah, the bodies of seven people have been found in a mass grave in an indigenous area of Panama, 
where members of a religious sect were believed to be performing exorcisms. So there's that. Um, you know, I feel like even though it's like, you know, from the Dark Ages, the 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 Roman the Holy Roman Church has like mostly abandoned the rites of exorcism because they've kind of adopted science into their beliefs to an extent. Um, and they, they they now understand that people that are, quote, uh, possessed are really just mentally disturbed. Um, but I feel like, you know, there might be <laughs> religions like this that are just still somewhat in the dark ages. Um, they're just like, yeah, fuck it. We'll just, we'll just wring these people dry until we think their souls are saved. <laughs> um, inside a makeshift church, officers found a naked woman, machetes, Knives and a ritually sacrificed goat. The poor goat. Yeah. The goat did nothing. <laughs> it cracks me up that, like, since the beginning of time, that uh, you know people have been sacrificing animals to gods. It's like, why? What is that proving? Well, yeah, especially if you live in, if you believe in like an ever loving God, like, why would he want you to kill an animal right? in his name? And it's like. If there's a god out there, or as many gods, if they want a goat, they'll get a goat. <laughs> they can they're, just take a goat. They're fucking god. They can take what they want. They just make a goat. <laughs> they, they can, can make, make a, goat a goat and then take the goat. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, they already have one. It's like, I'm going to make this goat just so I can have it back. Right. <laughs> uh, the site was controlled by a religious sect called the New Light of God. Oh, God. That sounds culty. <laughs> right. Uh, believed to have been the... Op- or wait, believed to have been... Operating in the region for about three months. Oh, so this it's is one of, new- it's one of those old old religions, right? <laughs> uh, according to the prosecuting attorney, the kidnapping and torture started last Saturday after one of the members claimed to have received a message from God. Uh, his name was uh, Elwood Blue. <laughs> his name was Bill Paxton. <laughs> that fucking movie. Um. Uh, the victims were then kidnapped from their homes, beaten, and killed. So, so there wasn't really any like uh, you know prerequisites. They just kind of determined that these people are uh, possessed. Yeah, like so I was like, one person, literally one person, was like, "Hey, God told me we should kill this guy," <laughs> and everyone else was like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> I wish I had that kind of power, just to sway the masses. Right? Yeah. I mean, you might at a whack show just be like, "Hey, fucking kill Chase James." <laughs> oh, that would absolutely happen. <laughs> Easy peasy. Um. Yeah. So that's that. Not a good way to end the weekend. No. No. Dead. Like I had plans. naked, covered yeah. in machetes and goats. <laughs> yeah. From what I heard, a little bit about this story. Apparently, they were telling the people that they had to repent or die. So repent of your sins or we're going to kill you. And then, yeah, you're just dead anyway. So Sure, yeah. There's really no winning. N- no. It's like when you go to Vegas and you know you're probably going to lose. <laughs> yeah. just like, so just don't gamble. I only lost $20 when we went to Vegas in November. It was real nice. I watched was- my friend lose $120 in about 75 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and not just like, here's $120. It was like slot machines. And he was just like, $20 bill, max bet, max bet, max bet, max bet. I'm like, dude, stop doing that. 
fuck, fuck, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you won 50 cents. Sweet, max bet, max bet. <laughs> the best way to enjoy Vegas in, in my vast experience of going there like three times um, is to just sit at the penny slots, which is actually like a nickel, I think, um, and just sit there and do as little gambling as possible and wait for the waitresses to come around and give you free drinks. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's how you do Vegas. And then you stumble around the strip until four in the morning. <laughs> uh, with a giant Eiffel Tower in your hand. <laughs> Those drinks are tasty as shit, though. Mm-hmm. I didn't get one for myself, but I had a few slips of them. I'm not a, I, I hate rum, and I'm not a big vodka guy. So they weren't that big of an appeal to me, but... You're hurting my heart, Tony. You're hurting my heart. <laughs> I don't like clear alcohol. It's just not not my thing. Well, stuff well. it down with brown. <laughs> uh, cool. Any any other thoughts on Exorcism? Uh, I mean, The Exorcism of Emily Rose was a really good movie. It's not bad. That's ex- about it. How about The Exorcist, though? I mean, movie's obviously. tight. It's tight. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I think we're breaking <laughs> solid. I think we're breaking new ground saying that movie is really really good. <laughs> Hot takes. Hot takes. <laughs> I'd go as far as to say it's one of the most terrifying films ever made. Whoa. <laughs> Easy there, Tony. You know, it's funny. Um, you know, any of us could watch that movie nowadays and be like, yeah, it's creepy. Most terrifying movie ever made? No. But it's like you ask somebody like my dad who saw that in the theater, and he would say, yeah, that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Because up to that point, it's just like that kind of shit wasn't horror like mm-hmm. the whole um satanic panic thing wasn't really a, a thing until then and mm-hmm. so it's just stuff that people have never seen before but anyway cool let's move on All right, so I listened back to last episode with you and Silas. Yeah, did you? And I heard you guys talking about how there was going to be a new series from The Walking Dead. Uh-huh. And how you were both just like, man, that's good, but we need even more than that. I don't think that's what we said. <laughs> well, don't worry, Tony. I'm going to check the tape on this one. I am here to, to appease your, your concerns <laughs> and let you know I don't like where this is that going. there is more Walking Dead coming. Oh, no. In addition to The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead colon The World Beyond, Scott Gimple and his cronies are planning several, quote, limited event series. What does that even mean? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) According to Gimple, quote, We really do want to come out with different TV formats, meaning shorter things, and then some event series, limited event series. Shorter thing. (laughs) Talking about his dick. (laughs) Got him. (laughs) I'm trying to get together a number of different things that we can show at different times during the year, and this focuses on characters we miss and we lost. Are they talking about doing like a Walking Dead Christmas special or something? (laughs) I mean, it kind of sounds to me like mini shows, like webisodes, maybe. Which is a terrible idea. Webisodes never work. No, <laughs> maybe like a <laughs> nobody watches them. <laughs> maybe like an IGTV kind of deal. I mean, maybe nobody's gonna watch it because nobody uses that function. Yeah, yeah. 
Instagram just deleted the IGTV app because nobody downloaded it. There was an app? Yeah, there was a separate app for it. I didn't know that. Me either. I've watched probably this many IGTV videos. He held up four. He held up four. (laughs) This many. I think I've watched one, and it was one that Carlos posted. He was like, IGTV is going to be the next thing. (laughs) Uh, No, I think like something interesting that The Rock posted at one point, I think probably like Ryan Reynolds... uh, and then something that looked kind of funny that somebody... They else, were all like shirtless gym videos. You know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, move on. Or continue. Uh, he continues, it focuses on aspects of that new mythology. <laughs> don't know what, what that new mythology is, but it focuses on stories that occur in our universe and have nothing to do with anything. So God. why are we doing this? <laughs> Money. <laughs> Um, nothing to do with the shows or the movies that are just little zombie tales that happen on our world with our rules and our timeline, but are just really great zombie stories, really great stories of the end of the world. I've been working on that with a variety of people and that's actually proving to be super fun and interesting. What? He's just saying words. He's kind of what he does. He's just talking. He's a mouthpiece. He's, he's like buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. That... It's nothing. It, these are this is this is a bullshit. <laughs> you are the bullshit. <laughs> um, like these new these are uh, really great zombie stories. Really great stories of the end of the world. That is what you have been doing for almost a decade. What are you going to do differently that warrants this? Well, the only part of this that sounds interesting is he talks about. Um, Focuses on characters we missed and we lost. So I'm going to bring back the dead characters, basically, and give like some backstory on them. Can we have? Okay. Can we have like, like stories of the zombies after they've like taken out main characters, and then we just follow them around follow as the zombies? Zombie <laughs> That'd be good. I mean, I know they talked about doing one with Shane, which is like the the one that you know everybody asked about. But if they have one with Carl. I'm just I'm gonna fucking burn it down. Well, it's just like, how are they going to explain or justify the fact that these people are, like I said, almost a decade older? Like, if they went back and did, like, a backstory about Dale, the guy that played Dale, Dale, he's a senior citizen, and he was old then, and he's even older now. I miss Dale. That was a really sad... Everybody misses Dale. Is the original show still going on? Yeah. Holy shit. We only watched up through, like, season two, and then we got bored and gave up. Oh, season two is terrible. You got to make it through season two to endure anything after that. But yeah, I understand giving up at season two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I was almost out too. Like, I watched season one and it's like, this is a fucking amazing. Season two was a, a, a slog. slog. <laughs> Jinx, uh, buy me a Coke. I'm like, never buy new Coke. <laughs> um, and, uh, but then season three really, really picked up and was good again. And then, you know, I, I followed it along. Not necessarily because I was enjoying it, but because I felt like I was supposed to watch it, like as a horror fan, <laughs> or a horror slash zombie fan, um, up until um, the whole Negan uh, plot line. Like, I loved Negan at first. Yeah. But it just kept going and not going anywhere. Right. And I followed that almost to the end of the season, and then it just stopped. And it's like, all right, well, I got to get caught up. And then I just never did. I'm like, yeah, you know what? 
I feel I'm like fine. I feel that like there's like a sunk cost fallacy in in watching like The Walking Dead or like series like that that have like peaks and valleys mm-hmm. where you're like I've spent you know three seasons worth of watching this show and I I have to watch it not only because I've spent all this time but also because yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of of you know this genre mm-hmm. and I think that's how they get you because like that's the same thing with wrestling a lot of WWE stuff is garbage but i'm like oh, i have to watch it because i'm you know a fan yeah yeah there's i mean there's definitely been shows like that over the course of my life where it's just like i'm not enjoying this anymore but i'm still watching it because i like the show as a whole like uh like scrubs i was gonna say season eight of scrubs yeah <laughs> it's like i watched that entire season it was garbage and i hated every second of it but i love that show so i stuck with it um that's the only example that comes immediately to mind, but um, yeah. Community. Yahoo yeah. seasons. I don't I don't think I watched through all of the seasons of the, of the, of the original run. After, oh, really? After season three, it's not good. Once, it's a real bad show. Once um, Chevy Chase, Donald Glover. Donald Glover was Troy. Troy. Once Troy left, I was just kind of like, yeah, it yeah. was weird. Yeah. He left like right after Chevy Chase left too. So yeah. it was like this like bang bang thing of people leaving and you're just like, well, this show's clearly over. Yeah. It's like and you know, Abed was only funny because he was with, with Troy. Troy. Yeah. Abed on his own was just annoying. Um so yeah. Yeah, you didn't have that it's not really a counterbalance, but it was just like yeah, this Troy like, and Abed in the morning. Yeah, it was it was almost like like Troy was like the kickstand that held Abed up. Yeah. Because they're both like dumb in their own ways, but like they, yeah, they kind of counterbalance each other. Yeah. Anyway, stop making new Walking Dead stuff for the love of God. I think that's the arcing message here. Yeah. And I don't want a Carl backstory. Don't give me any more Carl. All I know is Carl didn't stay in the fucking house. If he'd stay in the fucking house, he'd still be alive. <laughs> uh, like, uh, what's his name? Chandler. Riggs. Riggs. Riggs! A kid, like, kid's like in his 20s now. He can't, he can't, do, you can't do a Carl backstory. Right. Unless you get a different actor. No, they're going to de-age him. De-age. That's all the rage right now with every <laughs> movie genre there is. It's yeah. True. It's, it's not, it's, that's not, not true. Don't you double negative on this show. <laughs> I did it. Um, yep. Walking Dead. This, this Forever. Is, who? I don't. I don't think I know anybody that still watches it. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who people I know who did, and I don't think any of them still do. Um, like, I think the last person I knew that still watched it was my dad, and I don't think he even watches it anymore. He just kind of doesn't care. That's kind of where I was too. It's like. I yeah, can't. I didn't ever have this like hard, you know, stead moment. Like a lot of people, when when Glenn was killed, they were like, "That's it, I'm done." Mm-hmm. I didn't have this moment where I was just like, "That's it, this is I'm turned off of this." I just stopped caring. Yeah, and you know, I felt like my interest was starting to wane right before Negan came on, but then I knew Negan was coming because I think he was on like the last episode of the previous season, right? Well, of. Before before the Negan, he, he was teased for a while, but his like first appearance. I don't. I don't remember. It might have been mid one of the mid season breaks. I don't remember. Regardless, 
I remember the just the anticipation of building towards that because you you knew Negan was coming, and it's like in the 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 graphic novels, Negan was a big fucking deal and looked like arguably one of the most exciting storylines in the entire series. Uh, so it's just like yeah, fuck, I'm fucking excited for this. So it's like you know, even though I started to kind of lose interest, I'm like, all right, it's all gonna get better once Negan shows up. And then, like, you know, he comes on and he beats the fuck out of Abraham and, and Glenn. And she's like, all right, Negan's a fucking badass. And he's taking no shit. It's like, what are, what are these people going to do? And then talk about it for 18 yeah, episodes. Like just, just talking and talking and talking and Rick being a bitch. And like we on the show, we always referred to it as Rick Grimes, motivational speaker. Because that's what the show became for yeah. at least half a season, if not a full season. Was just Rick going? We're gonna band together and we're gonna go fight Negan. This is what we're gonna do, and this is how we're gonna do it. And I was like, all right, we'll fucking do it then. Yeah, and all all the survivors are like, oh, I don't know, Rick. <laughs> oh, jeez, <laughs> because they suddenly became all nervous deputies. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's like then. So then the whole Negan storyline started, and I kind of rode with it. I'm like, all right, this is gonna get good. This is this is gonna get good. <laughs> One of these days, there's going to be the Great War. Yeah. And then, like, I started, like, missing episodes. I'm like, all right, I'll get caught up tomorrow. I'll watch it, you know, watch on on demand. And I would for a while. And then, you like, watch it and go, I didn't miss anything. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, I'd get to the point where it's like I'd be watching last week's episode before this week's episode, like, right before it. So I get caught up. And then it just, like, started to snowball. snowball. And it's like, you know what? No, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> Anyway, Walking Dead. All of it forever. (laughs) Until we all die and become zombies. So, uh, was this last episode we talked about this? Or? It was the last episode I was on, so it was two episodes Two episodes ago. ago. Talked about Corey Taylor from Slipknot um, directing, writing and directing his first feature film. Um, we were, I think, both kind of underwhelmed about it. Yeah, not, not too super excited. I mean, and I think a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that we're not Slipknot fans. Probably, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe he'll be great at it. I don't fucking know. Yeah. I mean, Rob Zombie used to make good movies. So it's, it's true. His first couple were good. I mean, Corey Taylor did do all of like the original like masks and stuff for Slipknot, and he has like all of the artwork that they did for their uh, albums. Like he did it, so like he, he's very creative. But you know, sure, yeah, I, I can I can grasp that he has like a like a horror vision, um, which I can appreciate. But you know putting that into practice or this is this two different things for 90 minutes right five minutes like it's it's a little hard <clears throat> but a certain somebody has signed on to do the special effects for the film rick Some, baker no do you think really he'd come out of retirement for this really? greg nicotero no stop <laughs> stop it uh a mr tom savini oh i know him yeah. That would have been my next guess. Would it? Would it, Taylor? <laughs> uh, Tom Savini and Jason Baker will be providing special effects makeup for the film. Who is related to Rick Baker. 
Probably. Not. I mean, maybe <laughs> at some point in history, yeah. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Um, Bakers uh, did an interview with the, the Daily, Daily Dead, and he says, I'm thrilled that we are finally able, or finally start, God damn it. I'm thrilled that we are able to finally start slowly talking about the fact that Tom and I are going to be involved with Corey Taylor's new horror movie and that we will be handling the special effects makeup for it. We're not allowed to talk about plot details or titles or anything like that right now, but I will say that the script is totally fucked up. Corey's got some really sick things planned for this, and I'm super excited to be part of it. So, uh... If anybody's curious who Jason Baker was, then you know you're not alone. Because I don't. You guys were reading about him right before we started recording. Yeah, but... apparently he did a bunch of prop work for the WWE. Right, and Tom Savini has no- notably designed the masks for um... the Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and yeah. yep, he did one for <laughs> Callisto. Yep. Oh, so okay, so it's beyond just Bray Wyatt. He's yep. kind mm-hmm. of involved now. Got it. Is Bray Wyatt just like the new Undertaker? Is that like his, uh, his thing now? Don't of? fucking no. get me started. <laughs> this will be a five-hour podcast. About how <laughs> I was going to say, he'll go on and on, theme. but basically, no. no. I don't think they'll ever really do another Undertaker kind of thing. Okay. Because uh, I, I, I was watching, like, I was kind of looking at, I think it was Raw. If Bray Wyatt was on it recently, it was SmackDown. Or a pay-per-view. I doubt this was, was watching a paper. This was Wednesday. <laughs> Fair enough. Wednesday. Then you were watching AEW or NXT, <laughs> neither of which would have had Bray Wyatt on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> it might have been a commercial. It was, it was a WWE oh. show, so it must have been a NXT. Okay. Um, okay. There was a guy who, who I thought was Bray Wyatt, but he had kind of like an Undertaker thing going on, like his his uh, his ring presence. Finn Balor. Huh? Finn Balor. I, I didn't catch a name, so I'm not sure. So he had like a big beard and oh. long hair. That's not Finn Balor. You're not then. giving me a whole bunch of information, <laughs> but that's okay. It's funny how much the image of the common wrestler has changed since, you know, 15 years ago. There's a lot of guys with long hair and beards, I guess. Great Pop Podcast is now a wrestling-themed podcast. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. Um, it's now the Four Corners of Death podcast. No. <laughs> Um, sorry, four post massacre. That's what it. That's what it was. Oh, is it? Um, I'm ready to rumble. Right. What? Oh wait, was um, there there was a podcast that like jokingly changed their name to four post massacre. Yeah, fuck. Like, oh god, we were kind of pseudo friends with them, and I can't remember their name. It wasn't podcast massacre, was it? Fuck, I don't remember. I don't remember who it was. Uh, the guy's from Oklahoma. No, not Oklahoma, Kentucky. Hmm. Whatever. <laughs> they don't record anymore anyway. <laughs> we have persevered. We are like one of the most long, long, we're the longest running, not the longest, one of the longest running horror podcasts. Still do, still in the game. It's true. <laughs> uh, I, I miss Podcast Massacre. They were good folks. Is that who we're talking about? No. No. But I briefly mentioned them, so I just thought I'd bring up that I miss them. Okay. You should uh, tell them to get back at it. I should. We only met two out of three. We didn't meet the third guy. Oh, Podcast Massacre. Yes. You're right. Uh, yeah. Nice guys. Yeah. And uh, was his name Michelle? Misha. 
Misha, was it Misha? Yeah. Uh, I like her art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got two prints from her? Uh, three. Three. I think she threw in a free one because I bought two. But yeah, I've got her, her Dracula hanging up in my office at work. Anyway. <clears throat> anyway, back to wrestling. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Jason Baker continued. He says, we've always had such a great time collaborating with Corey, doing his masks and everything. Oh, okay. So they've, they've been working together for a while then. Um, but the best thing about working with him is that I made a friend. Oh, <laughs> friendship. That is so sweet. Uh, Corey's such a wonderful, fun person to be around. Is he trying to fuck him? (laughs) He might be trying to fuck him. I don't know. Um, the guy has been through hell and to come out of everything that he is, he is laughing about it. Those, those kind of, God damn, this is one of those things where it's like you write down what somebody's saying and it doesn't look good when it's written. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Corey's such a wonderful, fun person to be around. The guy has been through hell, and to come out of everything that he's that, that he, he has, has laughing about it, those kinds of people are such unicorns. <laughs> this is very sweet. Uh, so my horn can pierce the sky. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so when they come into your life, you just want to hold on to them with everything, and of course, not that you're gay or nothing, but just that his arms just feel so good. <laughs> You feel so safe in his arms <laughs> with your head up against his chest. <clears throat> uh, and of course, you want to work with them and do whatever you can to support their creativity. We are extremely excited. So. Are you extremely excited? No. <laughs> I mean, there's there's no information. They're just like, we're working with this guy on this thing, but we can't really talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. They're just saying words again. That's like, and there's really... Not a lot of mention of what Savini's role in this is, other than he's cashing a check. <laughs> that he's quote doing FX. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's like, that's, I mean, like Stan Winston Studio. It's like, oh, Stan Winston Studios is working on this film. It doesn't mean Stan Winston was working right. on the film. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, I, I can't even... Did we have any details about this movie at all? No, none. Neat. Just that he wrote it, it's done. He said he was shopping it around. Max has something to say. Untitled Corey Taylor Project. 2021. <laughs> Maybe. Fun. 2022. <laughs> well, get hype about this movie that we know nothing that about. may or may not come out, <laughs> but has Tom Savini doing effects. Right. So not the most traditional horror film, per se, but one that we greatly enjoyed of 2018, right? Fuck, it might be 2017. Uh, Was Fede Alvarez's Don't Breathe. Horror adjacent. Yeah, a thriller. Sure. Uh, Well, they've been talking about making a sequel pretty much since the first one came out. Sounds like it's finally going to happen. However, Fide Alvarez is not going to be in the directing chair. <gasps> but according to The Hollywood Reporter, Fide Alvarez's writing partner, Roto Sagayez, will make his directorial debut with Don't Breathe 2. 
Huh. Uh, he's like I said, he's a frequent collaborator with Alvarez. He co-wrote the remake of Evil Dead. He also co-wrote the first Don't Breathe and a, a short film in 2013 called Panic Attack, which is actually what caught the attention of Sam Raimi and Ghost House Studios that got them the the job making Evil Dead. Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 all in the family. Yeah, and you kind of think that when when guys you know, especially when they're writers uh, and they collaborate regularly, they have kind of a similar frame of mind <clears throat> and being that he works with he's worked with Fide Alvarez in the past you know on set kind of makes you maybe think he has a similar eye yeah so I don't know and I mean this this is a studio film so there's going to be a certain uh, amount of studio oversight yeah you're gonna have producers sticking their fingers in it right so I I, I'm, I don't really have a lot of fear that this is gonna deviate too much from what made the original good? Well, and they did write the screenplay together. So it's the same writers and a adjacent director. Right. Did you guys see Don't Breathe? I think. You might have. I, I don't might think have watched I have. it. And also, I was just reading up that the sequel will be called Don't Breathe Again. That's not good. It's terrible. It's a terrible title. I didn't write it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how they're making. A sequel. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's there's a very thin plot details. Uh, the, the sequel is set several years after the home invasion of the first movie with the blind man living in quiet solace until his past sins catch up to him. So I kind of see that. But here's the thing. Uh, Stephen Lang is expected to return as Norman Nordstrom, which I didn't realize was his name, <laughs> uh, a.k.a. the blind man. But... As of now, Jane Levy is not set to reprise her role as Rocky. Hmm. She's too busy doing her singing show. Yeah. They made a series out of that one musical episode of Scrubs. <laughs> it looks so bad. <laughs> it does. Like, it's painful that they're putting that shit on TV. But it's got Lorelai Gilmore in it, so, you know. It does? Yeah. I guess I missed that. doesn't matter, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, in that case, I'll watch it. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't understand how his past sins can catch up to him if Rocky's not in the movie. It's a, spoiler alert, everybody else is dead. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Especially because it seemed like at the end of the... the You're fine. The, <laughs> I'll watch it eventually. At the end of the first movie... It's spoiler a, alert. It, it seemed like he had kind of gotten away with it. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. We might get like Rocky's sister or something. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know how m much interest I have in this, just because I don't think that this story warrants a sequel. I would rather see a sequel to Evil Dead. Yeah, which doesn't seem like it's going to happen. No. I don't know. Sam Raimi said. <laughs> Sam Raimi says a lot of things. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. Filming is slated to start in April. Alvarez will also be a producer, as well as Ghost House Pictures, Sam Raimi, and Rob Tappert. So probably looking at like a maybe summer 2021 release? Could be. Could probably, be. yeah. Unless they just fly through editing to get it out around Halloween. Um, 
It's so crazy when I hear about movies and they're like, oh, this was filmed in two weeks. Because I just, you know, my only experience on a film set took two and a half years. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. Well, it's like, it's funny thinking of like movies that were made, you know, let's say like the 80s. You know, they'd have like six, eight months of production-ish. Uh and nowadays, movies are getting done in like six weeks. Yeah. Um, it's just like, that's not enough time. Look you Blumhouse movies. <laughs> like, I, like, even if we had like a top-notch production crew, I mean, not... <laughs> those are the wrong choice of words. <laughs> now this B team that we have. <laughs> even if we had like a professional, like studio-organized production crew, you know, operating on a studio budget and all that and with no like conflicting schedules that we had to work around yeah Yeah. it's like i don't know how we could have finished that in that short amount of time no like maybe six weeks maybe yeah especially working with kids i mean kids working with kids is an obstacle doesn't matter how you cut it there's a there's a show on netflix um about like uh, i think it's die hard the movies that made us movies that made us it's so good and they go through like the the developmental hell of like home alone and like the first one they were like it. It was bounced between studio and studio, and by the time it got to, I believe, it was New Line Cinema, they that they were like, Fox. "You have four uh, Fox. You have like four weeks to finish this movie." And they were like, "Oh shit!" So <laughs> they like set up in a high school or something. And did, have you watched that? Did all of it? I have not. It's the very Home Alone good. one is great because it was a it was a WB movie, and then halfway through production, they were like, "We're done. We're not making this movie." And I feel like you told me this, <laughs> former Sounders owner Joe Roth. When he was head of Fox, he was like, don't tell anybody, but if they drop you, we'll pick you up immediately. Because he got the script somehow. Mm. <laughs> and so it was like, they never stopped production. They just kept going. They just halfway through changed studios. <laughs> All right. <sighs> well, it's very interesting. I recommend it. Okay. Especially Mr. I want to talk film over here. Fuck you. <laughs> So Don't Breathe Again, apparently, is coming out sometime. Terrible, terrible title. Terrible title. It should be like, keep, don't breathing. (laughs) Keep, don't stop breathing. Again. Yeah. Redux. (laughs) Was it the Lonely Island movie? Never Stop, Never Stopping. Right. (laughs) Wow. So dumb. So, friend of the show and multiple time guest. Is that the right way to put that? Sure. I mean, I'm sitting right here, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's talking about you, Max. Shit. Uh, No, Gigi Saul Guerrero of Luchagor. She has been making a lot of headway in the industry. Very proud of her. She she has been the biggest beneficiary of Jason Blum putting his foot in his mouth. Right. Say. <laughs> and, you know, I think in an industry that can be so cutthroat like that, take what you can get. Oh, for sure. I don't. I'm not happy about her working with Blumhouse, but I don't fault her for it. Right. Take that money, girl. Fuck it. Get that bread. Um, yeah, basically, uh, 
I don't know if you guys know this, but Jason Blum was like, there's not, there's no women that want to direct horror. And then there's just this slew of female directors who were like, uh, yeah. We're here. all right here, thanks. <laughs> and so apparently Gigi Guerrero was the one that he selected. They signed a first look deal and she made um, Culture oh. Shock. Culture Shock, yeah, for Hulu. It was part of a Blumhouse. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, she's been working consistently. She just did an episode of The Purge not too long ago. She was just did a Swiffer commercial. <laughs> it's so weird. Apparently, she kept fucking up the name of it, too. Like, I don't know what she kept saying, but she kept fucking up the name Swiffer. So, she's <laughs> like, she was probably on the verge of getting fired because she couldn't get the product name out. Have you seen the commercial? Yeah. There's a part in it where she goes, yo. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's so GG. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe they kept that in there. <laughs> um. Let's see. But uh, anyway, so like I said, she's been really making a lot of headway in the industry, and we're both really happy and proud of her, happy for and proud of her. Um, and the next step, she's going to be uh, making a film for Orion Pictures. Um, the movie's going to be titled, it's going to be a Halloween-oriented film. It's going to be called, titled 1031. Um, it's being produced by Eli Roth. Heard of him? I have, in fact. Yeah. Of such classics as Knock Knock. Right. <laughs> God, that movie sucked. So bad. Who's there? Uh, Eli Roth. <laughs> Eli and Keanu Reeves. Yep. So there's that. <laughs> no, um, but uh, see, Roth has called it one of the best, sca- best scariest premises for a horror film that I have read in years. And that it has all the ingredients of a new horror classic. Well, let's slow down, Eli. <laughs> I always hate when producers or directors or whoever immediately come out with the stuff that's, oh, it's got all the makes of an instant classic. Yeah. Like, Why don't we make the thing first? Yeah, there's no such thing as an instant classic. That is a conflict of terms. Yeah, I think by definition, a classic has to have a certain amount of time behind it. Right? Um. Anyway, uh, also, and especially coming from producers and stuff, it's like we, we know what you're doing. Yeah, you have to say it, and if you don't, you're a bad producer. Yeah, it's like we were talking about earlier with Dan Aykroyd, you know, shoving wind up our skirt about the Ghostbusters remake and how great it was going to be. It's like mm-hmm. we all know you're just saying this because you get a fat check if yeah. this movie does well. Um, <clears throat> also, uh, going to be down in the trenches with Gigi is going to be uh, Luchador producer uh, Rainer. Uh, Shima Shima God damn I forgot his last name Rainer Shima um, And this is going to be Probably the biggest project Well it's definitely The biggest project They've worked on together um, Kept hoping Like ev- Everything that Gigi's been doing I kept hoping That the, the Luchagor Gang was going to reunite I know when I, when I heard Rainer was producing on this I was like Hire Luke Hire Luke Hire right. Luke He's doing a lot of teaching. From, from like, it's been a while since I talked to him, but last I heard, he was doing a lot of teaching. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. at uh, VFS. Oh, good for him. Yeah. <clears throat> um, let's see. Uh, Ten thirty one follows a young woman who takes her niece and nephew trick or treating and discovers a note inside a candy wrapper that says there's a killer loose on her block. So there's that. But is there really? <laughs> Like, that description doesn't tell me there is a killer. Right. She's just got a note. 
Yeah, like, it's like, hey, let's go home. That's something you could easily overreact to. Yeah. It's like uh, somebody saying, like, calling it like a bomb threat. It's like, well, let's, let's not panic. Let's make sure there's actually a bomb first. Yeah. So it sounds like it's probably going to be like a slasher movie instead of like a, you know, a paranormal or a, a ghost movie kind of deal. Yeah, maybe. But like I said, it, it, it just says she gets a note. It, it may just be just like a tension kind of movie. Right. That there's no, not even actually a killer in. There's no way of knowing at this point. Boo. You want me to call Gigi right now and ask her? <laughs> you don't have her number. I do too. You do? Yeah. Oh. Got him. <laughs> All right. You don't have her number. No, I don't. <laughs> they talk film. <laughs> uh, the script was written by Peter Gamble uh, from Trenches and Ian Shore, also from Trenches and Splinter. What is Trenches? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> there are just some things in this world that I don't know, Taylor. Well, what good are you? None. None good. And apparently, it's based on a story by Laurie Ashbourne and a screen story by Kathy Charles. Thank you. Thank you, Max. You're welcome. What is a screen story? What does that mean? Like written for the silver screen? Like a screenplay? Well, usually somebody will write like a treatment or, you know, just a, a general outline of the story. And then somebody will go and write the actual screenplay. So, so is that like, what a screen story is? The same thing as a screenplay? Well, I think probably screens. There's a story Wait. and a screen story. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then a script. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well. Fine. Is that like pre or post punch up, basically? It seems like too many people. That's too many. Yeah. yeah. It's too many stories. It's too many cooks. Is it too many true stories? No. Too books. many cooks. <laughs> too many cooks. That's like a thing that was really popular a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Reference. Uh, <Yay>. YouTube. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess the the whole uh, underlying message here is we need to watch trenches. Right. Just just for research sake. Splinter, is it that one with um what's his face? Yeah. The guy with the big nose. Yeah, the guy with the face and the ears. You know, the guy with the big nose. <laughs> Uh, Adrian Brody. No, that guy is in the the, the first movie we're going to talk about, which is the 1977 Rabbit. Oh man, that, that guy's nose was huge. I don't remember. The the guy with the really deep voice. He was an oh, older that guy. guy. Yeah, the older guy. Yeah, yeah. Splinter. No, it's not the movie I was thinking of. But it does have Paolo Costanzo. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Of of uh, Josie and the Pussycats fam. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the 2001 Josie and the Pussycats movie? Yeah, the Rachel Lee Cook one. Oh, crazy. Oh, it also has Skinny Pete from Breaking Bad. Oh. <laughs> I was like, there's only Big Pete and Little Pete. There's no Skinny Pete. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I said, we're very excited and happy for uh, Gigi. And I'll see it. Oh, for sure. Even if it looks like it's I'll still watch it. Um, I'm assuming this is probably going to be out Halloween next year. One would assume. Because they haven't even started filming yet. Yeah, no word even when they will. Right.
So another movie that me and Tony just absolutely adored, and Max was talking about earlier, he's a big fan of as well, uh, was Terrifier. So mm-hmm. good. With Art the Clown. Hold on, hold on. So good. So good. So good. So good. Um, <laughs> you know, we talked to David Howard Thornton at last year's Crypticon. Yeah, we did. He's a super cool dude. So cool. <laughs> uh, he also spoke to a site called Sofa King Cool. No, no. Much lower. <laughs> I am so fucking. <laughs> um, Thornton talked about Terrifier 2. Oh, gosh, chicken. Arrasse, He said that Terrifier 2 is, quote, more ambitious, seeing that it has a higher budget than its predecessor, which is good, because when we interviewed um, Damien Leone, he was like, I'm looking for money, man. Right. Wasn't <laughs> the first movie made for like. $10 or something? Probably, <laughs> yeah. I think, it, I think it was yeah. Kickstarted, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, That's I mean, I think that was for like extra stuff. Yeah, follow-ups like, and Because they'd already had financing, but they just wanted to, you know, punch Make it the best movie possible. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Which they did. It was an incredible movie. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, we've expanded the universe more. We're bringing in more side characters, developing them. We're much more plot-oriented, but we're still not losing what made the first movie work so well, and that was just Art himself. The maliciousness to the character and the entertainment value to the character as well. We're not losing any of that. I hope he's... Like, I hope that's true. Because if they lose sight of what made Terrifier so good, which was just the sheer mindless violence, um, then the movie's going to fall apart. Yeah, we don't need a whole lot of like backstories or like these, you know, characters going on about how, you know, their mother was friends with Art the Clown's dad or whatever. Right. Some stupid <laughs> bullshit. Like, we just need Art fucking people up. Yeah, just kill people. Yeah. It's like, I don't need Art turning into Pennywise where he's got like this long history of like he's been killing people for centuries and, you know, shit like that. Like, just keep it simple. K S S. Keep it simple. Stupid. Keep it simple um, and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the actor went on to say that he recently filmed a kill scene that will rival the hacksaw scene from the first first movie. I hope um, he's, oh boy. I hope he's not blowing smoke because he, that was a thing to hold. <laughs> that was something else. Uh, he says people are going to be angry at us. <laughs> so we showed we showed this this movie to a person who doesn't like horror movies and hates clowns. Uh-huh. And I forgot that that scene happens. <laughs> and I'm like, you better watch this shit because it's crazy. <laughs> it's like it's so fucking outrageous and like not real. Like that you could not cut through an entire person, at least not that quickly, with a hacksaw. This is not going to happen. It's like, as soon as he starts, you're just like, oh, 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 God, oh, he's start- oh, no. He's starting there, huh? <laughs> well, you also think he's only going to do it for just like a minute, and then he just yeah, goes just all the way. Going. <laughs> it's like just enough to where like your guts spill out, but then he just keeps going. Um, uh, He goes on to say that most of the sequel will focus on the impact art has on the life of a teenage girl, her younger brother, and their mom. He said, you find out a little bit about what's going on with Art, but we still don't want to give away everything about him yet. So we're probably going to do stuff like that. Or no, we're probably going to wait until a third film or something like that to get more into his origins and stuff like that. A third film, that's when things get things are really going to come to a head, but we'll see. 
Okay. So he's already throwing out trilogy talk. Don't. That's fine. Give us an origin story. Art I, just yeah. kills people. I feel like with art, I almost don't want one. Y- yeah. Like yeah. some characters, one. sure, it's interesting to hear their background, but art's just mindless killing and he wears its really creepy clown outfit. Like, yeah. yeah. That's all you need. Yeah, it's like, you know, like I'll compare him to Pennywise just because it's two clowns. Because it's easy. Huh? Because it's easy. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, Pennywise has this long backstory because, uh, of course, it's Stephen King. Um, but, you know, there's this mythology attached to him where he's like this, you know, otherworldly creature that just takes the form of whatever you're, f- whatever you're f- afraid of. And it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't need that for Mark. I just need him to kill people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, it, it, you know, a lot of people didn't like Ro- uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween because it gave Michael Myers a purpose. You find out he had like a fucked up childhood um, and he just became, you know, he was bullied and that kind of drove him over the edge. He was white trash, which was such a departure for a Rob Zombie movie. Right. So new, so fresh. <laughs> um, but, you know, a lot of people didn't like it just strictly because of that. Um Whereas I liked it because it gave him a, a point, like a purpose, like other than he just broke out and started, you know, following this one girl for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, that always bothered me. Um, but, you know, with art, he's just mindless violence. And I want him to stay that way. One of my favorite parts is when he's just riding the tricycle around. <laughs> <It's so good. laughs> just for no reason. My favorite part, and it's like two seconds long, is when, um, I can't remember the character's name, but she's just like, she had squeezed through like these, this garage door or these barn doors for, that's essentially what they are, I guess. And like, he's trying to reach through for her and like, he pulls back and then he comes back out with the horn, honking it right in her face. So was it pre or post Terrifier 1? That he appears in the anthology movies. That was before. That before, was before. Yeah. So that was like the introduction of art. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Was that was that Tales? Of, that wasn't Tales of Halloween. That, that was, was All Hallows Eve. All Hallows Eve. Uh, we were we watched that. Um, we watched them both on the same night, I think. Yeah, and man, such a cool character. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm really excited for for what's coming up mm-hmm. with with the Terrifier and and with Art Art the Clown. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so speaking of a third movie, Thornton said that he and Leone already know how they want to begin and end Terrifier 3, but they just have to flesh out the middle. Uh, he said, we have that end goal already. Which, I mean, that's you know not uncommon for, for screenwriting. A lot of times you just have a, a big idea and then you need to figure out how to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, if you have... I think that that's good because you don't... If you can not necessarily flesh out a trilogy or, or whatever in advance but have an you know, a beginning and an end and some idea of what the middle is going to look like you get a very um a much more constructive storyline because if you're saying okay well i'm going to make this movie and then the studio comes back and it's just like hey well let's make a sequel because that one did so well it's like okay well here's this story i made up on the spot for a sequel yeah and it's like that one did really well too. Let's make a third one. Okay, kind of like the Saw movies. Um, 
So the fact that they, yeah, already have at least a trilogy in their mind and they know how they want it to progress, I feel like it's going to make the stories a lot more um, solid. Yeah. Uh, so Terrifier 2, the cast obviously includes David Howard Thornton as art. Uh, also Lauren Lavera and Tamara Glenn, who I can't tell you who they are, but also Felissa Rose of uh, Sleepaway Camp fame. Right. Jason Lively was meant to have a role but unfortunately couldn't because of scheduling issues. Jason Lively, of course, of Night of the uh, Creeps. I always have to remember which night it is. There's too many nights of things. Uh, the plot line is after being resurrected by a sinister entity, Art the Clown returns to Miles County, where he must hunt down and destroy a teenage girl and her younger brother on Halloween night for some reason. i gotta got to find out <laughs> why he needs to do this. And why it has to be on Halloween. <laughs> Uh, as the body count rises, the siblings fight to stay alive while uncovering the true nature of Art's evil intent. So it sounds like we might get a little backstory. Good. Or bad. <laughs> Just give me give me Art fucking up people. That's, yeah. that's all I want to know. I'm very curious about this uh, scene that will, will uh, rival the, the hacksaw scene mm. and that will make people angry. <laughs> I mean, people get angry over the stupidest things. Well, so it's it true. Might be like, I mean, I'm sure someone probably got angry over the hacksaw scene too. I'm so. sure lots of people <laughs> probably did. Tamara Glenn was in <clears throat> Halloween Five. Oh. Was Samantha? Was Felissa Rose Angela? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that's it for horror business. Yay, horror business! We made it. Hey, cracked the crack a little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> I do, I do have two bottles. I don't, I don't want it's it. Still. <laughs> Are you ever going to drink it? Maybe. It's, I don't see the you as a is, champagne drinker. Well, that's the thing. is Once you open a bottle of champagne, you're drinking a bottle of champagne. Right. You're, you're, not, you're not popping that cork back in and putting it back in the fridge. Because then it's just white wine. So I have to come up with a reason to drink an entire bottle of champagne in one night. I drank two bottles of champagne, hung out under a bridge with a dog. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the... You got them for Christmas? Yeah. Mm. You should have drank them with your little mimosas. That you well, yeah, but we started drinking those before we opened presents, so it didn't really work out. Oh, did Cheese give them to you? Yeah. Well, technically, oh. Suka gave them to me. Oh, God. Why don't you just have like a mimosa weekend and just drink it all? Maybe when I like have everybody over to watch Revolution, I'll just, just have a spa day. Easy. She's like, hey, who wants bubbly? Shut up, drink it. Please. And then Jericho would be like, a little bit of the, <clears> bubble. Bit of the bubble. <laughs> Then I'll just be like, <laughs> sure. Farmer's number one. <laughs> uh, all right. So, where do we go from here, Taylor? Movie reviews. All right, guys, we're going to talk about some movies. And like we said at the top of the episode, we're going to be uh, comparing and contrasting the two versions of the film Rabid, one directed in 1977 by David Cronenberg and the other one in 2019 by Jen and Sylvia Saska. Uh, I usually leave this up to Taylor, but I think it's only natural to start with the original. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Almost definitely. (laughs)
dying, and only Rose knows why. You gotta come quick. You gotta come quick and get me. It's Rose. It's gotta be. Something's happened to Rose. Don't scream. Don't panic. He's dead. And the dead can't hurt the living rabbit. The Prime Minister was reluctant to officially declare a state of emergency. But as any citizen in the streets can tell you, martial law has come to Montreal. Uh, get that guy. I'm sorry, sir. Go right I'm sorry, sir. Don't have Shooting down the victims is as good a way of handling them as, as we have got. Stop! Stop or shoot! Trust your mother, your best friend, the neighbor next door. One minute, they're perfectly normal. The next, rabid. Pray it doesn't happen to you. Rabid. Okay, so Rabid is a uh, Canadian A film uh, directed by David Cronenberg, uh, starring Marilyn Chambers, who was best known as a porn star. This was like her star is a pretty uh, pretty bold term. No, she she was important. She's pretty, she's pretty popular. Very I was trying to make a joke. Just, <laughs> no, it wasn't funny, Taylor. Yeah, Taylor. Shut up. Don't speak ill of the dead. Um, He's speaking ill of you. <laughs> uh, da, 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 um. Yeah, so this was like, I don't think her only like legit role. Her first, though, I think. Her first and probably her m- most well-known. Like, I think her legit career kind of fizzled and she just went back to porn. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, Marilyn Chambers, she is in the lead role as Rose. Um, her and her boyfriend, Rosebeard. Rosebeard. <laughs> Have you heard this story? No. The first time I watched, uh, what movie was it? Um, was it The Conjuring? Is she in The Conjuring? I don't know. No, Insidious. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I, w- I watched it on a uh, less than reputable website, and it was, f- for whatever reason, only the opening credits had voiceovers, <laughs> so it had someone reading all the opening credits, but they had this really thick, like, Russian or Ukrainian accent, <laughs> so Rose Byrne came out as Rose Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> so now every time I see or hear Rose Byrne, I just, my mind just goes, Rose Byrne. <laughs> Uh, you had to be there, yeah. Max. I'm sure. <laughs> um, let's see. So uh, Rose and her boyfriend Hart. Who who names their child Hart? <laughs> I had to look in the credits for what this guy's name was because I thought it was Art for a lot 
of the movie. Oh. Then one time I definitely heard the H and I was like, is it Harper? And I was like, Hart? What the fuck? It's like nobody would name their child Hart. I mean, like jumping ahead, like in the re- in the remake, they just make his last name Hart. Oh, I guess I didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's Brad Hart. Brad the Hitman Hart. <laughs> um so uh they're they're just flying down the highway. They must be going about about one twenty five k, I'd say. <laughs> eh? Eh. How, how fast is that in American? Uh, I think that's about eighty. All right, that's pretty fast. It's pretty fast, especially down a rural road. Um, and they're driving along. They're, they're driving, driving along. They're just burning up asphalt like a bat out of hell, and um, like a moose out of hell. Okay. <laughs> um. And uh, they're just driving through the Quebec countryside. Oh, good fishing in Quebec. Great fishing in Quebec. Uh, <laughs> I hate Quebec. <laughs> uh, so there's uh, and there, there's a family who's... There's <laughs> I wish they would have expanded more on this family. They're fucking hilarious. This is dad who refuses to look at the map and the mom in the passenger seat just bitching at him for not looking at the map. And the kid in the back would be like, I don't know where we are. <laughs> are we there yet? And he's like, God damn it, let me pull over. <laughs> God damn it, I'm eating pretzels. <laughs> so instead of pulling over to the side of the road like a normal fucking human being, he kind of just like, <laughs> he just like turns the car sideways so it's blocking the entire fucking road. And then, uh, and then somehow the engine dies. Yeah. While he's driving. Yeah. <laughs> starts to sputter. And so up the road comes Hart and uh, Rose. Um, and for some reason, it's a straight road. It's not like they came around a bend or something. But they just like 20 feet in front of him finally notices Vans in the middle of the fucking road. And do an evil Knievel somehow over the front <laughs> of this van. <laughs> That's a, I was watching it, I was like, well, that wouldn't happen. Right? <laughs> it's like, they seriously went over a ramp. Oh, for sure. Like, mm-hmm. there, And there's nothing on that van that would create that opportunity. Um, so they go flying off into a, a field, and the bike crashes. Hart is thrown clear, but Rose is trapped underneath the bike uh, that catches fire and explodes. It explodes, like, in those, like, Family Guy episodes. Where, like, mm-hmm. the car drives off, it crashes, and then, like, five seconds later, there's an explosion, yeah. right? like, randomly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it's like you have to wonder who made the bike. Uh, uh, Ford, like the Pintos, had a Pinto engine in it. Yeah, probably. You get it? No. <laughs> oh, you two don't get it. You're, <laughs> you're, you're... Funny. Uh, Pinto is a funny word. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Pintos. <laughs> They blew up all the time? Yeah. Is that from the olden times? <laughs> yes, in the dark ages from the 70s when there was the car of the Pinto. They had cars back then? <laughs> Horses had to pull them, but... <laughs> no, there's a, there's, a, there's a hatchback. It had uh, the engine in the back, but like the slightest impact would make the engine explode. Oh, okay, Lord. yeah, that does sound familiar. Yeah. People would get rear-ended and the car would explode because right. the engine was in the back. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I remember my dad talking about this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the oldest one here. My dad had a Pinto. His never exploded, though. My dad um, had a Vega. 
Nice. The birthmobile. <laughs> <laughs> My dad had an affair. <laughs> <laughs> we made to bring the mood down. True story. <laughs> um. Anyway, so uh, the bike explodes, but somehow Marilyn or not Marilyn uh, Rose is, as far as we can tell, unaffected. She's not. Burned to death, as one might expect. Or exploded. Right. She's just like, the bike explodes, and she's just kind of still there, like, oh, what happened? It's like, were you not just there a second ago? And, like, the fire's on her, but she doesn't, like, catch fire anywhere. And I'm like, she's wearing clothes, and she's got long hair, (laughs) like, something. Like Like a leather jacket, I would assume that maybe it would, like, fuse to her. Right. Yeah, she wasn't wearing, like, the, the flame retardant, you know, Evil Knievel gear or anything like that. It was just a regular leather jacket. Yeah. It's it's like the explosion went just straight up. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> not She's like, wow, that was close. It's like, I don't know if anybody uh, in this film understands thermodynamics, but it expands. I mean, they didn't ex- understand aerodynamics with the way they jumped <laughs> over the van. So. Fair enough. Um, anyway, so I forget... Oh, so they're they're within earshot of this high class, uh, um, like creme de la creme resort for rich people to get plastic surgery. It's a very private, exclusive clinic um, out in the middle of the woods, um, and they just happen to be very close to this place, and they can hear the bike explode. So, well, there's a woman on the roof with binoculars, binoculars for some reason. Yeah. I was like, what is she doing? Why is she up there with those just watching the road? <laughs> but she had like bandages that are under her eyes. Like she just got her, her eyes done or something. So maybe she's just making sure they work or something. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so uh, can I, I just... still use binoculars? <laughs> <laughs> so this is the, the Kaloid uh, clinic run by Dr. Kaloid. Um, and they send out their private ambulance to go pick up heart and <laughs> lime green private ambulance. <laughs> this is the seventies. It was a weird time. Um, they, uh, they pick up heart and, um, Rose and Dr. K Lloyd kind of examines them. Cause even though he's a plastic surgeon, he is an MD. He says, you know, the, the man he's got, you know, uh, a, a Sprained hand or broken hand. Broken hand, hand, separated shoulder, and a concussion. Yeah, but other you know, otherwise fine. The woman is much more serious condition. We could send the man to the general hospital once he's stable. Uh, She, we need to get her operated on immediately. Um, So they, you know, get them into the or get them taken in quickly. She goes under the knife, like within the hour. Um, And instead of just you know fixing her like a normal doctor would do. <laughs> They're like, well, this is a perfect opportunity without any consent whatsoever <laughs> to try out this experimental procedure. <laughs> oh, is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, because he was talking about the special skin grafts. It wasn't like a normal... Yeah, they were going to treat them um, or something. They were treating okay. the skin grafts to be fancier. Yeah. If Effectively, what he was doing is removing skin from her thigh with a potato peeler and, or a cheese slicer. Um, and... Uh, Treating it at some offsite lab to effectively turn it into blank skin. Like, you know, throughout your body, you have skin that's ge- like genetically coded to be 
part of your body. Like, you know, the skin on the bottom of your foot is different than the skin that's like on your shoulder. It's just different skin all over your body. So basically this skin would be wiped clean of its coating and applied to wherever it needs to go as just blank tissue that would then adapt to wherever it was being applied. I think this was supposed to be like an early version of stem cell surgery. Which again, jumping ahead, that's what it is in the, in the, the right. Um, uh, I don't know the medical legitimacy of any of this. (laughs) Um, I'm going to guess little. Yeah. It's Cronenberg. He, like, he's very science adjacent. Um, yeah. So they take the slice off of her leg and they send it off and they keep her there for a month before they can get the tissue kind of redeveloped and, you know, these grafts added to her because she has significant significant damage to her, her breasts and abdomen. Specifically her breasts. <laughs> um, and uh, so she she's there for a month recovering. She's in a... Whether it's just a, a coma or a medically induced coma, I don't know. She's in this coma for a month. Heart gets sent home. And, you know, Dr. Kayla says, you can visit her as often as, she want, as you want, but she's going to be in this coma for a while. So, you know, don't bother. So he goes off back to the city um, to resume his life. Uh, and then she wakes up. Screaming. Screaming. Yeah. <laughs> and tearing at her bandages. Um, and that's when another patient hears her screaming and goes into her room to try and comfort her. And it's, I find it weird that she was in this coma the entire time. And he goes in, he's like, he sits down on her bed. She's ripped off her bandages. So her tits are just out. And he's like sitting there, he's like holding her and he's like, it's okay. I'm your friend. Yeah. It's like, I don't know you bitch. (laughs) Um, it's like, no, no, it's okay. I know your boyfriend. It's fine. And then she starts getting real hot, and she's like, uh, "I'm so cold. Why don't you? Why don't you?" So hold is she me? hot, hot or cold here, Tony? Come on. Who can ever tell with women, you know? <laughs> uh, so she's like, "I'm so cold. Can you hold me?" It's like, "Well, it's because you don't have a shirt on." I'd wager. Um, and so she like kind of buries herself in his chest, and he kind of holds like. Holds her, and he's like, this is weird. <laughs> I'm going to go. And that's when uh, she stabs him with something, because he starts bleeding pretty profusely underneath his arm. And uh, he leaves, and let's see. Where does it go from here? I think it kind of jumps ahead to the next day, where he's being examined by Dr. Kaloid, um, because this wound hasn't stopped bleeding. It's still just not gushing blood, but it just, it's, it's not clotting. It just keeps bleeding. And he's like, hmm, weird. <laughs> like, gross. Mm, gross. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well, I guess we should send you to the general hospital. Um, and we'll take some blood. Just put a cup under him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, sends the guy off. And then he goes to check. The guy like, doesn't remember anything. Right. He's just saying his like his entire right side of his body where he was stabbed or whatever um is completely numb. Like he just has kind of like a a, th- a sore tingling, I think he says. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so the doctor thinks that he had a stroke. Yeah. Right. They were going to give him like anticoagulants and then decided not to because of this potential stroke, I think. Something. There was some reason they decided not to when he went to the hospital. I think it's because they saw they, that she, he had had some kind of interaction with Rose. Oh, maybe. Because the nurse comes in and said, hey, you better come and look at this. Oh, and then they, yeah. Because there's blood all over the room yeah. where, where Rose is in. Yeah, and the nurse says that he, this guy tried to molest her while she was sleeping. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, so she, he takes some of this guy, was his name Lloyd? Yeah. Uh, take some of his blood to to kind of research for his own purposes, um, and uh, that's when Rose, she in the middle of the night, kind of suits up and leaves the hospital, and she wanders onto this farm, and she tries to drink the blood of the cow of a cow in the barn, and that's when at, at this point it's not apparent what. Is exactly happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no... You're not really getting a good visual on what's happening. You just know it's something that she's... She's stabbing or, you know, penetrating things <laughs> <laughs> um, somehow. And anyway, she walks... Goes to this farm, tries to drink or, you know, suck the blood from this cow and then throws up because of it. And that's when this drunken farmer comes in and tries to rape her basically there's a lot of rape going like a lot of rape attempts um going on here um and he yeah so she gouges out his eye i had a hard time telling honestly what she did to injure him like it was only in the scene later coming up where you see that it's his eye that i knew yeah yeah there's like a one frame like where she twists and like you see some sort of oh, like meaty meatiness, mm-hmm. but it it, it doesn't <laughs> look like there's like it's his. I thought like she broke her. I I I thought she she broke her his neck. That's what I thought. Oh okay. So my first glance, what I thought was that she had gouged his eye out with her thumb or something. Oh crazy. Um, I I could tell that it was his eye or maybe his forehead, but something on his face. I couldn't make out exactly what had happened at first, but then I realized that he because. For whatever reason, she's got this vagina-looking thing under her arm with a little, little, little thing that comes out, no, a little thing. like a little, little tooth on it, um, that comes out and stabs people and drains their blood. And she, he had her his head down like on her chest, and so I guess that's it how probably it happened. Shut it out and stabbed his eye out. Yeah, he was all like, <laughs> <laughs> um. It made me remember last week I came home from probably the gym or something. And uh, Kristen was like, uh, Derby just motorboated me. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> She's like, he had his head on my chest and then he like sneezed and shook his head. <laughs> and you were like, those are mine. <laughs> I was like, like father, like son. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so she runs off, and I think she goes back to the hospital, and um, she, she calls Hart, I think. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, oh, what are you doing? You're supposed to be in a coma. One of the worst actors I've ever seen. He was bad. Yeah. Real yeah. bad. He's He just didn't emote at all. It's like he was, like, 
He's like, I'm going to be Marlon Brando in Streetcar Named Desire. <laughs> I'm going to do that the entire movie. Um, and uh, Which made his all his reactions at the end like so jarring. When he's like, you need to get out of there. <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not just like crying. He's like screaming. It's like, gotta get out of there. Yeah. Calm down. <laughs> it's like they're like, hey, act. <laughs> Do something. Okay, how about this? What if I No, yell? not like that. <laughs> it's like his version of acting is, if I yell it, yeah. then that is acting. Yeah. <laughs> It's like those people who like try to make their their points by by being loud. <laughs> yeah. Um, I see you've talked to me before. <laughs> <laughs> um. So there's a lot of back and forth. Like she keeps leaving the hospital and then coming back. Um. And she gets into a truck. Yeah. She, That's after the she infects the doctor. I think though. Yeah, she, she also goes to a movie lady. theater. She goes to like a porno theater. Yeah, That's, another another guy tries to rape yeah. her. Yeah, the narrative in this movie is very, very right. clear, very, very rapey. It's yeah. don't rape. Yeah, it's like if you rape somebody, you're gonna get fucked up. You're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> um, which is, I mean, it's it's a good message. It's like, also like, like a, don't do that. Yeah, like it's also like a like an STD thing mm-hmm. um but this was before like the whole aids epidemic and stuff before aids but you know gonorrhea and yeah. you know the classics <laughs> um, uh yeah so she starts infecting a lot of people and she doesn't realize she's doing it as far as she's aware she's like probing these people and then just like all right see you later and then they put just put some uh some bactine, some bactine on, it. on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know if these people are actually like dying and then coming back to life or just going rabid. I mean, uh, I'm going to guess the latter based on, you know, <laughs> the name of the movie. <laughs> uh, the uh, WHO starts getting involved. Who? Yeah, them. Who? Who? You know. Who? <laughs> Um, they get involved and they they start thinking that it's some weird mutated strain of rabies just based on the reaction because people are literally going crazy and going going rabid, foaming at the mouth, um, losing all sense of of thought, and just biting people. Yeah, because there's like an attack at a diner, mm-hmm. the and, farmer. Uh, yeah, 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 the, farmer yeah, the original farmer. Which I think that's the first time that that it's apparent that something that she's doing the next you know it it has other repercussions other than just them being hurt right and she seems to have two set two mindsets i guess she has her just common thoughts and then it's almost like a switch gets thrown when she starts getting hungry or horny or whatever the fuck you want to call it um it's like her regular mind. She turns into like this predatory creature and everything else just switches off and she's all about getting her her next target. Um, so she gets very, you know, sexualized and and uh, contrary to the person that you kind of gather that she really is. Uh, yeah, so she infects a bunch of people out in the outside world. Then she starts affecting, infecting people 
in the uh, so she, she didn't oh she did attack the doctor himself yeah he yeah. comes to check on her because he was worried that lloyd tried to molest her right and was trying to be comforting and then she attacks him at that time right and the doctor is also very kind of like looking back at it i'm like still awkward that's not what they would do and yeah <laughs> he's very handsy yeah this wasn't this was a strange clinic um so she yeah so she stings the doctor basically um and he goes into surgery and then that's when he goes crazy and starts biting people so there's just this outbreak at the clinic um and she kind of slips out the back door hops in with a trucker and she starts you know Going out, she goes into the city and starts infecting people there, and it just becomes this epidemic. Um, and uh, yeah, it's basically from there. It's, it's they declare martial law, like shut down the whole city, yeah, of Montreal. And you know, Hart is trying to track her down because he he's starting to suspect that she. Well, I guess he doesn't really know that he's, she's the source of this. It's just he knows she thinks she's in trouble, or thinks that she's. Sick or injured or something. Either way, he's he's trying to find her in in Be, the city because after after the doctor goes crazy, uh, Hart gets a phone call from from Rose, and she doesn't really say what she, like where she is or, or where she's at or whatnot. So Hart calls up a friend who is part owner of the hospital. I gathered. Yeah, he's and then partners with Doctor Kelloid. Yeah. Partners with Doctor Kelloid, and then. They drive to the hospital or the clinic, and that's when they see all like the, you know, you see the the, the crazy long needle for a rabies shot. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm then like, the doctors oh shit! In the police van, just foaming, at foaming the at the mouth. So yeah. that's kind of like the I, I I felt that like that was the part of the movie that kind of like kickstarted the now it's now an it's epidemic. an epidemic. Yeah. Yeah, and it starts this whole thing with, you know, the, the WHO starting to, um, you know, insist that everybody, especially everybody that's been infected or, you know, exhibiting signs of sickness, get the rabies shot, um, you know, just these mass vaccinations to try and s- stop the outbreak. Um, but you kind of find out that it's not working. Like, people are still turning into these monsters, basically. Which is one of the 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 first time that shows up is is one of the police officers mm-hmm. that are hel- that is helping at the hospital, the one that actually is shown getting one of the big needles. Mm-hmm. He shows up later as you know, oh, it's the the rabies shot isn't helping right. this issue, and that's kind of kind of where like they make the the determination that the shots aren't helping. Right. Um. So. From there, uh, Rose finds a friend of hers in the city and goes to stay with her. Um, and I don't know, she just like she starts throwing these fits, not really sure exactly why. Um, it's like you think that maybe she's like hungry or something, or just something's happening to her where she's like getting sicker or, or it's never really explained, but she just keeps throwing these fits in the bathroom and just kind of wherever she goes. But it becomes very apparent that she is now aware of it's her and this thing that's inside of her. Mm-hmm. Cause 
uh, a couple times she does try to push away her friend and make sure that she's not around her friend. Uh, Cause I think it's, I think even she says, I don't want you to be next or I don't right. want it to be you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's very aware of that. It's happening. Yeah. When Hart calls the friend <clears throat> who's Chelsea um, and he says, you know, don't let her leave your apartment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a couple times where she tries to leave, and Chelsea's like, "Oh no, you just need a warm bath." And she's, yeah, and so Rose says, you know, something like, "I don't want it to be you" or something like that. Yeah, she's like, "Yeah, get a warm bath, just wash her back." <laughs> <laughs> um, sponge. <man. laughs> uh, <laughs> the dirty old whore told me to do it. <laughs> Just so, just like the, the boob area, <laughs> just just on the nipple. Or... <laughs> oh fuck! We're the only people uh, that reference that movie. Oh cool, Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Hart makes his way to Chelsea. Was that her name? Yeah. Um, or was that the friend? In... That's the friend. But Chelsea... was, that was the friend in the new one. It's it's both. Is... I'm almost certain. I don't think that's right. Mindy. Oh, all right. Fuck me. No. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Hart makes his way to Mindy's apartment and walks in. Everyone knows it's Mindy. Except me, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the show. Um, and uh, I lost my train of thought. Hart walks into the apartment and... Uh, Rose is, you know, has already attacked Mindy. Mid suck. Yeah. S- just sucking, sucking her off. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, he's, he's like, oh, you're tearing me apart. He's like, hey, don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't say that. No. <laughs> He's like, you're at the source of this. You're you're infecting all these people. You've killed hundreds of people. She's like, no. And then she pushes. And she's pe- like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and she uh, she tries to run away and end up pushing him down a flight of stairs. And he gets knocked out. Yeah, and she runs off into the city and or it's just in the lobby of the building. It's like a mall lobby or something, it looked like. Because she's sitting on like a bench and there's like stores around. Right. I mean, Wikipedia says it's the apartment lobby. Yeah, there's an apartment lobby. Okay, so she must have gone back because, yeah, she does go to the mall. That's earlier. You're right. It's downstairs just in front of the apartments. Right. Yeah, so she does go to the mall. She sits down and just guys walking up to her. Is this like, is this how the 70s were? (laughs) Free love, man. (laughs) It's like, Yes, I know that women get approached by creeps all the time, but I really feel like one woman doesn't get approached by multiple creeps in the span of two days, unless they're like in like a, an area where creeps converge. To be fair, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, to be fair. Um, I mean, she is a porn actress. Sure, so sure, she's very good looking. Um. Yes. So, but yeah, she 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 just sits down on a bench uh, at the mall, 
and gets approached by this guy who tucked his pants into his boots. Um, <laughs> oh, God, you're right. He did. <laughs> I don't know why. It's not like he was wearing like uh, like like riding pants or anything like that. It's like not, not there's nothing that was like form fitting. They look like they're just like green jeans or something. And they were all billowy. It looked like he was wearing like uh, pantoons or something. Um, and uh, anyway, she sits down and he tries to offer a smoke, which is so weird. Like you could smoke in a mall. Indoors, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he goes off to the next set of benches to try and get a light. And that's when uh, this guy turns around who's infected and starts, kicks off this big infection thing uh, at the mall. And this fucking security guard at the mall is carrying around basically like a fucking Tommy gun um, and just guns down this guy who tries to run away and Santa Claus. <laughs> can, can can we talk about how, how, how short that elf's skirt was? It was very yeah. short. It was very, very short. inappropriate. Uh, Avalon brought it up. She's like, hey, like, she's she... going to bend over and this is going to be a porno right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I was like fine with, but. You know. I, Max was like, finally. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It's at one point. It seemed like she was wearing like a pair of like short shorts underneath her skirt, but even still, it's just yeah. Um. So anyway, k- kill Santa. Yeah, she yeah. just guns down this this infected guy and Santa Claus, who is just in the line of fire, because instead of using a pistol that's mildly accurate, he's using this fucking automatic <laughs> rifle. Um, and he doesn't have like. You know, stock up against his shoulder like he should be using it. He's got it down like this, like a fucking thirties like a gangster. <laughs> um, and then he, then he uh, shot Suggins <laughs> into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the third Millennium reference. Um, only three, only three. Uh, so yeah, and then she takes off and she's kind of starting to come to a realization that maybe Hart was right, that he's not just making this all up for shits and giggles. Um, so she goes back to, um, Mindy's apartment building and she's in the lobby. Um, and this guy sits down and he's like, like the one guy in this entire movie who's not being a creep. He's not trying to rape her. (laughs) And she's like, hey, I used to live in the building. And I just send my mail here, so I'm just picking it up. And she's like, oh, well, hi. <laughs> um, and then she takes him upstairs to somebody's apartment, because <laughs> as far as I know, he doesn't live there anymore. And she doesn't live there. She, it might be Mindy's unless, apartment. Yeah, unless Mindy's apartment. Mindy's no, because Hart went into Mindy's apartment later. Yeah, Hart was calling uh, her from Mindy's from apartment. From Mindy's apartment. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I don't she broke know. in. <laughs> or apparently. it's the display room. Uh, Unless, <laughs> yeah, maybe, unless they like left and went to his apartment, I don't. And it, the mm. the possibilities are endless. Yeah. Um. So she calls Hart as he has just become conscious and wandered back into Mindy's apartment. She calls him like right at the same time, which is weird. Um, and she's like, you know what? I am uh, running a little experiment here, just so I can prove you wrong. I have uh uh i forget her the words she used but she said that i've basically bitten this guy and i'm waiting to see if he becomes sick and when he doesn't then i'll know that you were wrong and this is when hart is like you gotta get out of there yeah. uh, <laughs> just yelling for no reason um and uh 
Yeah, and so she's just laying there on the couch, and she's like, uh, you know, she's telling him that she thinks he's wrong and that she's going to be fine and blah, blah, blah. And then this guy wakes up and comes over, and of course he's infected. And as as he's about to attack her, she's like, Hart, I'm scared. And then Hart just loses his shit. He starts screaming, he falls to the floor, and he starts smashing the phone. Yeah, it was like, it was a very like 180 for his character, just yeah. like all of a sudden be very emotional. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. Throughout the almost the entire movie, he's very mild mannered. Mm-hmm. Like even when he thinks there might be something wrong with Rose at this hospital or at this mm-hmm. clinic, he's just like, "Well, maybe I should call my friend because something might be wrong." And now he's just screaming. He's lost his mind. Um, and then uh, we jump ahead, and Rose is dead in the street, <laughs> in, the, in an alleyway behind the building. So and when I die, just throw me in the trash. <laughs> and this dog is picking at her body. And it's like, I don't think I'd ever, I'd seen like bits and pieces of this movie before. And I never watched it from beginning to end. So I didn't really know how it ended. I kind of thought that she was going to be fine. Like, like get up and walk away or something. But nope, here comes these infectious disease cleaners with their fucking garbage truck and their rifles. Uh, they shoot at the dog to make it run away. And then they pick up Rose's body, throw it in the trash, or throw it in the back of the truck, and then just uh, drive away. Roll credits. That's it. One of the really cool things, actually, uh, about that scene is that she stays very rigid. Yeah, and she's, she's not limp. So yeah. it, you know, it's very clearly the next day where where rigor mortis has set, had set in, and like. In 1977, maybe that wasn't something that they were like focusing in on, but it was like a nice little touch, like a little, mm-hmm. like a little, like you know, cinema magic mm-hmm. that they were able, like they she kept rigid pretty well. Right, I just noticed that. <laughs> sure. I think it's funny that she was in the alley because apparently, even though everybody has become these mindless monsters, uh, she or somehow she ended up moving from this apartment into the alley, presumably behind the building. So it's like this one guy had the wherewithal. This one rabid guy was like, oh shit, she's dead. I gotta get rid of this body. (laughs) (laughs) They can't find her here. Uh, And then I think you're hearing like over the radio playing in the truck, presumably, um, that that the outbreak has become, you know, is, is under control, that the World Health Organization has determined that there's no cure and so basically, they're just exterminating people that are infected. And that's how they're controlling the outbreak. And then, yeah, that's the end of the movie. Yep. Um, very um, dark ending, for sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, what did you guys think? It was okay. It's all right. It's not, mm-hmm. it's, it's not great. It's not Cronenberg's best. No, these definitely got better movies. Um, but this, this was his second feature film. No. Oh. I mean, it's good. My, my biggest complaint is that it's very slow. Um, you know, the the middle of the movie is basically just like, well, now she now she infects this guy that tries to rape her, and then she infects this guy that tries to rape her, mm-hmm. and it's basically just guys trying to rape her and her infecting him over and over and over again. Yeah, and just like I said, the the message of the movie is like rape. Don't it's, it's do bad. that. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's it's uh, I mean, very visually low budget. Um, 
but not a ton of effects. No, which is weird. I mean, it's weird to think that this is Cronenberg and there's not a bunch of weird like body horror shit going right. on. Like, I mean, you know, obviously there is a body horror element to it because she's got this stinger coming out of her armpit. Yeah. But, you know, you think of movies like The Fly mm-hmm. that are just disgusting and dripping with ooze and goop and stuff <laughs> right. like that. And you would expect more of that in this. And it's really not there. Yeah. I mean, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that it was a low budget movie. Sure. In Canada. Hey. Yeah. How about it? <laughs> How about it? Uh, Avalon, what do you think? Pretty much the same. It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> didn't blow me away. Yeah. Slow. I'm not... I know there are people out there that just love this movie. Um, I'm not super sweet on Cronenberg. Like, I, I like him. I like um, his movies. Uh, but as far as being like a, you know, a passionate Cronenberg fan, I'm just not. Um, so yeah, I look at this movie very objectively. Um, and she's like, yeah, it was fine. It's nothing I'm going to write home about. Uh, I've definitely seen better movies. Yeah. I mean, this was 1977 and there was definitely movies before and, and, you know, in that time period, which were much better, mm-hmm. like much better horror films. And, it you know it it was slow it was kind of plotting you know Taylor kind of talked about where you know it's now they're going and she's infecting this person and mm-hmm. the next person yeah. and the next person and you know without without some like serious like story beats or like action set pieces or or whatnot uh, the the story because like the character of of Rose is also not very emotive until she becomes you know, until she starts to feed or, or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that just kind of hurt everything where, you know, at least in when we talk about the remake, like she's an actual character in the movie rather than. Yeah. We know nothing about a, Rose. Just a person. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was hard. Cause I felt like I didn't feel invested in her or heart at all. Like who are these people? Why should I care? Mm-hmm. Like, Random girl, random guy get in motorcycle crash, and now she's got a weird appendage, needs blood. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much in the middle that was just, like, plotting was a perfect word for it, um, where it's just, she's just bouncing around, infecting person after person, and it's just really repetitive, um, and nothing, nothing there, there wasn't really one instance where she's killing somebody or you know infecting them or whatever uh that really stands out they're all pretty similar it felt like yeah and so you just you've got the middle of this movie that just feels like it's dragging i feel like that really could have been better used expanding on the characters just so you know who the fuck they are and why you should even care yeah it was like watching her go from the clinic into the big city mm-hmm. it was like that was the point for him to get her from the small town to the big city yeah. but like it took so long to do like they could have just done it with the one trucker and i think that would have been enough right and but. it wasn't like you know even the the scenes of her you know infecting or whatever these people is they're not interesting enough to watch to keep things to keep really keep your interest it's, it's like a hug of death yeah. Like yeah she hugs them and then they're they're dead and that was like <laughs> the first the first two times it happened we were like i was what like is, is she, she hugging what them is she to doing death? I was thinking that may, like she was like 
crushing them. Mm. That's what I thought. But then with the bleeding and the especially the first kill that she has or first infection, I was like, he's randomly bleeding out of his side. Yeah, now. it's a very targeted like, spot. Okay. It, I the whole under the arm thing, the, the, or the, the armpit. I, I don't. I don't understand it. I don't understand. Yeah. I would have thought it would be like her stomach, like something coming out of yeah. her stomach. Because I know that they mentioned she had like a stomach injury, and mm-hmm. it was like, oh yeah, that makes sense, or yeah. out of her chest even. Yeah, I will. I will say that there's like two two points where you kind of see the 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 appendage like attacking like a a point of skin, and they do make it very translucent and it looks very skin like and you mm-hmm. can kind of see something moving into the other person and that was really well done, mm-hmm. but like like what Taylor was saying and kind of what we've been talking about, you don't have like a like a like oh, I'm watching this movie to see this one kill scene or you know it's it's just not interesting like the the parts that were supposed to would be interesting just aren't. Mm-hmm. So, and again, yeah. for that to be in a Cronenberg movie is surprising, right? Yeah. Um, uh, b- 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 I forgot what I was going to say. Shit. To kind of um, come off the comment Max made about like Rose and the like, I guess it kind of applies more to the Maurice movie. But this one, I had a hard time kind of differentiating with her acting between. Her like it did never seem like she was aware that that it was going on or not like in the newer one I felt like of course we could talk more about it then but there was better acting in terms of like her n- not being aware and being like normal herself versus when she's in this like frenzied state mm-hmm. and she the acting seemed kind of the same in both states in this one so there wasn't like a huge difference of her character I felt like between normal Rose and predatory rose yeah like really the only indication you get that she doesn't know what's going on is actually from lloyd who talks yeah. about how he doesn't remember anything before getting stabbed in the side mm-hmm. and, and so she doesn't kind of mention that, that either yeah. yeah she's just you i almost thought she knew it was going on the whole time yeah and then there's certain points where you're like oh maybe she doesn't know what's going on but it's not clear that goes back to also you know not flushing out the rose character because yeah. we don't know her personality what one way or the other. What she is normally versus yeah. what she turns into. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of this is not flushed out. Not just characters, but the story in general. Mm-hmm. Um, like, why? Why does? Why did this happen in the first place? Yeah, she had a an, uh, an experimental graft procedure. Yeah, it wasn't like. You know, they did a weird, like, it was just an experimental surgery. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, like, drastic, like, they didn't even do plastic surgery on yeah. her, which is what I thought would happen since it was a, made to, like, the point was it's a plastic surgery clinic. Right. It's like, yeah. oh, they're going to, like, give her some weird, and then they just gave her skin grafts. Yeah, there's, like, uh, they're in the scrub room, um, the, the doctor and his assistant, um, and he's, she's saying... Should we really do this? Because there's a there's a risk of cancer or something to that effect. Yeah. She's like, okay, well that's that's something. It's like, yeah, there's a risky experimental procedure that somehow causes cancer or could cause cancer. Sure, I mean, I don't I don't know enough about medicine to understand mm-hmm. that, but it, I could see it as plausible. <clears throat> what I don't see as plausible is growing some weird blood sucking appendage from a skin graft. <laughs> yeah, out of an area that wasn't even where they grafted right. the skin. I still don't understand that. And also getting rabies. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. And 
yeah, now the appendage affects other people with an infection and then doesn't affect her other than her having the weird thirst for blood and pains and stuff. Yeah, there's a... I think it's overheard on the TV. Somebody, or the the director of... um, What was it? Director of like a disease center, like a hospital or something. Huh? His name is Claude. Yeah, Claude. Claude. Um... He brings uh, up swine flu. Yeah, he mentions that. Well, and SARS, I think he mentions. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I was more referring to uh, the part where he's talking about uh, outbreaks in the past. And, you know, she, uh, I think the, the um, interviewer brings up the plaque plague. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he says, you know, there have been outbreaks. And, you know, we've already always got like a patient zero um, where the outbreak starts. Or, you know, we've got somebody who's. Um, naturally immune to it, you know. We think of situations like typhoid Mary, where she's the source of the of the outbreak, right. but somehow immune to it. Um, and so when they mentioned that, I'm like, oh yeah, maybe she's, she's a carrier. Yeah, yeah, she's a carrier, but not suffering from it. Right. Um, but that's clearly not the case because one of her own creations killed her. So, um, yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, it, it bothers me that, like you know, we said before that there's so there's so little that we know about her, and it's like you know you want you want her to be the sympathetic character, but it's like I don't know, maybe she was an asshole. Mm-hmm. Who, who fucking knows? Yeah, like I know more about her her friend Mindy than right. I do about her. They didn't do a lot of character development with her. Like she didn't do a lot of talking, but. You know, she mentioned she's, like, studying, and she's clearly, like, reading on the bus going to school or something. Yeah. Like, there's a little bit there for you to kind of know at least something about her. Mm-hmm. But, anyway. Yeah, uh, overall, it's 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 a decent movie. Um, fun, fun little uh, fact. Cronenberg uh, originally wanted Sissy Spacek right. to, to play um, to play Rose. Didn't and, like her accent, right? Uh, I don't. I don't know the exact reason why she didn't, but th- that's why they. Th- when there's a part where she's walking down the street and there's a carry poster mm. right behind her. Yeah, I thought that was because I, I'd read that. I'd, I'd read that they wanted Sissy Spacek, but like Max said, they they didn't cast her because of her accent. Yep. Which I, she's Texan, so I assume she has a Texan accent. Right. Although I've I've never really picked up on it. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought that was. Because I had read that while I was watching the movie, and then she was walking down the street, and you're like, boom, got Sissy Spacek in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even have to pay her. (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, so it's it's a decent movie. Uh, It's not Cronenberg's best, but, I mean, it's his second film, so why would it be? It's actually his fourth, I'm seeing here. Fourth fourth feature? Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. Um, And... uh, you know, I've, I've even from movies from the era, I've seen better and like low budget ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's fine. Um, God, would I even go back to this? Would I watch this again? I don't know. I probably would if someone else wanted to. Mm-hmm. Fair. But I don't think I would take it upon myself to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's just like, yeah, I've, I've seen that. Yeah. It's like when you go on a vacation somewhere and it's just like, yeah, that was cool, like one time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 
fuck, I don't know. I don't want to rate it too lowly or lowly. Too low. Um I don't know. Six? Yeah. I'm going five. I feel like six is too high. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to go five. I think it's I think it's an okay movie, and I would watch it only if somebody else hadn't seen it. But I would I would mention, hey, maybe we just watch the new one instead. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm about a five too. Right. I'll stick with six. It was, it was okay. You're too nice. I'm, I'm really not. Just, just <laughs> let him stick with his guns. It's fine. I will not succumb to peer pressure. Max. All the cool kids are given fives. <laughs> well, I guess I'm not cool then. Did we know that? Yeah, didn't have to tell us that. <laughs> oh, wow. Zing. All right, so... Uh, like like Tony said, you know there there are a lot of people though that just love this movie. They think it's it's one of Cronenberg's classics, and two of them are Jen and Sylvia Sosca, who decided to remake it in 2019. Just had reconstructive surgery. You can't take your bandages off just yet. <laughs> I want you into work on time. <laughs> I just don't get Rose. She's so weird and sad. Did you ask Brad to bring me here? Can I get you a drink? Uh, who told you? I'm so humiliated. Why would you do this to me? Schadenfreude. The pleasure derived from someone else's misfortune. I want you to keep in mind that this is going to be a process. Not to worry. With the proper diet, you'll be able to live a perfectly normal life. Stem cell manipulation is the key to life. They are already being sold to the most wealthy. like the accident never even happened. No, it's not like it never happened. I've been having vivid nightmares. Why am I dreaming about drinking blood? Well, people who dream about drinking blood often have unfulfilled yearnings. It's tied to the guilt of desire. Where can I take you, Rose? Nowhere. Ow! Too rough for you. What insane thing bit me? An outbreak of rabies. Avoid all animals and humans exhibiting violent or erratic behavior. It spreads like an STD. If we do not stop it, it could affect all of mankind. What the fuck? How's your appetite? (laughs) 
All right, so this is going to be kind of a weird walkthrough because I don't want to just recite the whole thing because in a lot of ways it's a very faithful remake um, and we just went over the whole plot. Uh, <laughs> it's It follows a similar thread, but the, the details are different. Yes. Um, so this is directed and co-written by the Soskas with the help of co-writer John Serge or maybe Sergey. Uh, no writing credits for David Cronenberg in this one. <laughs> he didn't even get a based on a story by, which I thought was a little insulting. Yeah, they did. Did they? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's on, I didn't see yeah, it. at the very beginning. Oh, at the beginning. Okay. And, and, yeah, those, and on the poster. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's not in the end credits. I don't no, but yeah, at the beginning, you know, those credits are flashing by like every two seconds. Um, yeah, it was in there. Okay, I just noticed it wasn't in the end credits because it was like written by the Soskas, which is it's how it said it, the Soskas mm. and John. Surge. And I was just like, and David Cronenberg. <laughs> um, so yeah, this one gives a lot more depth to the character of Rose. She works in fashion. She's a uh, aspiring designer and it, it seems like she's right now just kind of like a tailor, but like I said, an aspiring des- designer uh, for house of Gunter. Um, <laughs> house like pancake house. <laughs> uh, and yeah, her boss, Gunter, is this like stereotypical European designer guy. He's, uh, you know, very pretentious, very up his own ass, very European. And, you know, everything is below him. He's, everyone tries to come up with other designs and he's just like, no, this is this is shit. <laughs> but he's got this new line called Schadenfreude. <laughs> Um, For those of you at home, Schadenfreude is the enjoyment of watching the, the misfortune of others. Yeah, and he makes sure to give you the definition. Yeah, he says it a couple times. He's he's got a couple lines that are a little groan worthy. Like at one point he says, "I wouldn't die for fashion, but this fashion is to die for." Oh yeah, you're right. Ugh. You did say that out loud. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um. And so her, her best friend, Chelsea, uh, is one of the models. And uh, like right off the bat, they kind of give you these little teases. She's uh, British, about, isn't it? <laughs> she's got a thick Cockney accent. <laughs> oh, I love. Um, they give you a couple like teases of the original. Like right off the bat, you see Rose on a little scooter. Mm. And they kind of think, oh, maybe she's going to get in a car wreck. But then she doesn't. Well, she she says she almost got in a car wreck and then points at a scratch on her head. No, she was in a car wreck as a as child. As a child, yeah. Right, that's how she had the scar on her cheek. And a fucked up nose and one on her forehead. But when she came in late, she was like, I almost got in a car wreck and then pointed at her head. Maybe to give gravity to she's been in one before and it might be more traumatizing. I don't know. Maybe. It was kind of confusing. I guess I missed mm-hmm. that part of it. So I don't Um. Rose in this one is played by Laura Vandervoort. Um, yeah, like like Tony and Avalon said, she's, she's got a scar on her cheek and a scar on her forehead, and she's clearly very self-conscious about it. At one point, the Saskas call her Scarface because uh, the Saskas had to put themselves in it. Just Hitchcocks. Yeah, <laughs> or Silas. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they go to an after party for some event. Uh, she she gets asked to the after party by Brad Hart, 
who they're, they're obviously not a couple in this one there. He, he's a photographer. He's a photographer and he, you know, is, he asks her out and he seems like he's interested in her. Just completely out of left field. Like, like no reason why you don't see him like watching her from across the room or anything like that. He's just like, Hey, you let's go out tonight. tonight. You, <laughs> yeah. It's actually kind of the opposite because it's it sounds like from her interactions with Chelsea that she was actually into him, mm-hmm. and was like hoping they would. Well, I mean, who wouldn't be he's so dreamy? He is dreamy. Um, he's got that like beard that looks like it can't grow in, right? <laughs> Super hot. It's so hot right now. <laughs> um, it's so it's so cool to look like a sixteen year old. Well, you looked up quickly after, after that comment. Like, he heard us talking about a beard. About a beard. And uh, like, huh. Just shitty, patchy beards. That poor, poor, poor bastards. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so they go to this after party. And like I said, she, she overhears the Soskas in the bathroom talking about her. Like, I can't believe Brad is here with her and old Scarface and all this stupid bullshit while they're like snorting coke. Taking the bathroom. Coke. Yeah. yeah. Just a little bump. Um, so of course, you know, she feels terrible and actually overhears that Chelsea made Brad ask her out. And so she's all distraught. And so she leaves the club and Chelsea runs after her and it's like, I'm it's so a, sorry. It's a Carrie situation. It's kind of like Carrie. Yeah. It's like, Carrie. <laughs> it's a tie in. <laughs> so she gets on a little moped and she like scoots off and gets hit by a car. Wham. This is a. Big, look like a fucking box truck or something. Yeah, yeah, it's like it does these kind of quick cuts, so you don't really see like a whole lot of damage, but you see like her hand is bleeding and stuff. And clearly, she's uh, worse for wear. Right, it's like a RoboCop situation where you get like glimpses of her being carted off, like putting in the ambulance and then being wheeled down the hallway of a hospital. Yeah, masked faces looking over. So she wakes up. Her face is all bandaged up Chelsea's there she calls in the doctor who is uh, Dr. Keloid or Keloid I think in, in the original I think it said Keloid in this I'm pretty they sure said he said Keloid, Keloid right mm-hmm. yeah it changed I don't know why but I don't know if it was on purpose but the doctor's bedside manner is almost exactly like the other doctor in the original like they're almost exactly alike in in the way that they speak to her. Yeah, I'm sure that was probably deliberate. I would I would hope so. But like in this one, it, she's in an actual hospital. He's an actual doctor. Did, sorry, this is something I meant to bring up when we were talking about the original. Did anybody else find it funny that the doc, the plastic surgeon, was named Keloid? Yeah, I I got that. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I don't get it. Keloid cysts are like a. Just big nasty scars that are like yeah. a lumpy and shit. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Um, yes, her jaw is wired shut, and so they give her a pad to write on. She says, I want to see. And the doctor's like, Oh, yeah, fine, no problem. Just you know, you can go ahead and take off the bandages and take off the bandages. And he's like, Go ahead, give her a mirror. And she looks in the mirror and she freaks out because her whole like the front of her mouth is all exposed and her teeth are sticking out, and there's a huge, just jagged scar all over one cheek. And then the doctor's like, yeah, maybe she should stay away from mirrors. <laughs> like, you just told him to give her the mirror, you asshole. This guy's a total prick. I mean, not not like a, he's not like outwardly mean. He just like 
just like yeah. it's like he doesn't think about it. Yeah, and he's then... like he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, he's yeah. just flippant. Uh, it's a, but Chelsea says, you know, you, you can come move in with me. My apartment is huge, which is this weird, like, humble brag. Yeah. <laughs> she humble brag is a lot. Yeah. A lot. Which, I mean, she's a model, so I feel like that's kind of the, the yeah. attitude. This uh, There's a very underlying message of uh, fashion people are terrible in yeah. this. Mm-hmm. This is true. It, it felt like a little American psycho, even though in that it's finance, but same kind of, kind of message. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she goes back to Chelsea's place and she gets this email from uh, the Burroughs Burroughs clinic, which is this like experimental clinic for, for rich people. But they also do these experimental procedures for free because it's a, a mutually beneficial thing. They, they need research patients. People need help. So, yeah, they do them for free. Yeah. This whole top secret procedures. Ugh, excuse me. Uh, like it doesn't have FDA approval and. It's like very controversial. Yeah. And yeah, what it boils down to is uh, stem cells. And so she goes in and the doctor tells her, you know, you're, you're perfect for what we're trying to do. It's all covered. Chelsea talks her into it. So she goes in for the surgery, which is this weird, like culty thing where they're yeah. all wearing these like red, like bright crimson mm-hmm. uh, scrubs with like head pieces and red gloves and it was really weird. I was like, what the fuck is going yeah, on? What's all this fucking pageantry? <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> It just came out of nowhere, It too. looked velvety. And I'm like... And then she... Uh, Avalon made the made the comment, well, if you didn't know it was a Saskas movie, now you do. Because, <laughs> like, it was that. And then later they there's have, like... Another scene there's I a scene where it's very Saska. I'm like, yep, okay, I got it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very cult-like, but... It, this is like the first time that there's been any kind of indication that this is anything other than on the up and up. Mm-hmm. But so they take this weird glowing Goop, stem cell. Almost. Yeah. And they like it's put like it on her jellyfish. face. Yeah. yeah. But it's like glowing and you can see like veins pulsing inside of it and stuff. And they put it on her face and it makes a squishy sound like a butt. <laughs> <laughs> squishy sound like a butt. <laughs> Have you have you watched the uh, sack lunch bunch yet? Oh no. fuck! Oh dude, <laughs> that's, that's like it. it's another millennia reference. But oh uh, okay, it's like an acid trip. You have to at least watch the stuff with Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay, <laughs> sorry, Frank Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had a mustache. Maybe it was Frank Gyllenhaal. Uh, yeah. Well, for most of it, he had a mustache. <laughs> you never really know what Frank Gyllenhaal is going <laughs> to show up looking like. <laughs> Uh, the next day, she wakes up and she takes off all her bandages, and her face is perfect. Like even her old scars are gone. She had a, a her uh, chest was stapled shut. That's all fixed and gone. And so she's lovely and beautiful, and uh, you know, so she she leaves the hospital. Chelsea doesn't even recognize her as she's leaving the hospital. But first, she wakes up in the middle of the night. Or she, oh, that was it's when she's looking at her, checking herself out in the mirror. And her stomach starts gurgling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like she go- mine is. Mine so is mine, yeah. And she goes into the pool and meets Yorkie. <laughs> Yorkie? <laughs> From Kenny? The hockey player? Holy shit, I didn't even yeah. realize yeah. that. <laughs> uh, yeah, he plays as this uh, daytime soap actor mm-hmm. who, you know, makes sure to... Boomtown! <laughs> <laughs> makes sure to introduce himself not only as his character, but also his name, and also the name of the show. <laughs> Um, heard of it 
I'm kind of a big deal. Uh, they, you know, start making out, and then she bites his tongue or his lip or something. Something in his mouth, yeah. Yeah, and he starts bleeding, and she, like, freaks out and takes off running. Uh, so, yeah, the next day she leaves, like I said, goes back to her job, and then all of a sudden, I guess first they, they, maybe not first, but at one point they go back to the club. And Gun- in, in the club? The club. The club, yeah. Uh, and Gunther. Gunther is, is walking out as they're walking in, and he's he he's just like, Rose. Rose? You look Rose great. Miller? Yeah, he's just like, oh, you look great. Not like, what the fuck? Holy shit. You, <laughs> like, how did any of this happen? He doesn't care. He's just like, oh, you look amazing. Who, yeah, you're hot now. Who, who are you wearing? And she's like, oh, I made this. And he's like, oh, you made this? Well, you must work for me. You must design for me. I don't know. Now he's French. But... <laughs> <laughs> Did you mention that he had fired her? Did he, he actually fire her? Because so, yeah. she said, what about work? Yeah. And Chelsea just said, it's competitive. I think it implies that she was let go. Yeah. Like, maybe they didn't fire, but maybe they like tried to lay her off or something. They never make it clear. That's but. the okay. impression yeah. I got. Is this yeah, shit. I mean, that's kind of the impression I got, but it wasn't directly said, so I, I wasn't sure. Um, but yeah, now he's saying, you know, I want you to come work with me on Schadenfreude. And she's like, she tries to play it off. She's like, oh, well, yeah, I guess so. And then they go in the Maybe. club. They go in the club and just start doing shots after shots, and they just get wasted. And then they play that song. Shots, 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 shots. And she's like, "I'm so wasted. <laughs> I'm white girl wasted." <laughs> They're drinking white claws. <laughs> um, <laughs> when, when they're walking in, he's like, he points uh, Gunter. Shit, points at. <clears throat> Chelsea and he's like, "Hey, I don't want you drinking. We have a shoot at nine in the morning." She's like, oh, "I'm just gonna have a couple." She's like, "Just vodka." Okay. I don't want you getting fat. I don't want you getting fat. No, yeah, I looked at Max. I was like, "I don't think that's how alcohol works." <laughs> um, yeah, and then she so she leaves with this guy that was trying to pick her up in in, in the club, and uh, takes him out into the hallway and just rips his stomach open. And he's just like, oh, that's weird. Instead of being like, ow! I think something bit me. But then she wakes up. And uh, she goes back to the clinic and she talks to the doctor. And he just says, you know, oh, well, you know, it's, it's a side effect of the medicine you're on that you're going to have these vivid hallucinations and nightmares and stuff. And it's all part of the process. And eventually they'll, you know, it'll work its way out. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Um. Yeah, and then you know a, a lot of the same stuff happens as in the original. Uh, at one point, she goes out. I don't think she goes to a club, but she just goes out, and there is one Mister CM Punk. Oh, good, we're gonna talk about wrestling again. Let's go. <laughs> um, he's getting thrown out of the club because he's a massive a prick because yeah. he's wearing a glittery blue tank top, skin tight, <laughs> yeah. almost latex looking. Awful. So bad. I think it's funny that he gets credit like for being in this movie, and he's in it for a collective five minutes. On the poster. He's, he's on, on the poster. poster. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then he like goes pick up this girl, and he's just like, you know what? Hey, baby. Well, how you doing? And she just walks away, and he's like, whatever. You weren't all that. And he just like keeps yelling at her as he's walking down the street. He's just heckling her. Yeah, yeah. he's just like, whatever. You're a whore. <laughs> It definitely felt intentional that like 
his character in 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 general was kind of misogynistic where the old movie like everybody was a shithead yeah so i think it was definitely intentional that he like they have one b yeah, oh, yeah. Really he, he's definitely like the you know this is the dangers of toxic masculinity kind of uh character yeah you know as opposed to the other one where there's a very clear narrative about like hey don't rate people <laughs> it's not good this one it had a bunch of things going on, and it was really hard to follow exactly what they were trying to convey. Yeah, because they're like, there's like a lot of things where you're showing people like sharing cups or sharing vape pens and shit. It's like, okay, is this about Disease? germs? Yeah, it's like wash your hands. That would. <laughs> um, and then there's obviously the thing you know about there's there's obviously the element of of rape, um, of toxic, toxic masculinity. masculinity. But in, and then like, just the, like the vapid nature of all her, you know, coworkers and yeah. friends, and the the uh, you know terrible attitude that everybody has towards each other. Yeah, everybody's it's, just fake. Yeah, it's like movies typically have at least one or you know one or two messages that are pretty strung through the entire movie. Uh, this one had a bunch of them, and, and once you like, start trying to add too many, then you lose sight of what they are. Well, it's like you string them all together. It's just kind of like the world is shit. Don't go outside. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's valid. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So she, you know, bites CM Punk. He, Billy. Billy. Yeah. Oh, really? It, it, it's at this point in the movie where I didn't know what kind of like creature it was going to be. Because I knew it was going to be end up being a creature movie, and at this point, I thought it was going to be a werewolf because in the car, it she growls. Like, yeah, there's like these feral noises yeah, that feral she makes. Noises. Also, before she starts talking to him, or like they get in the car, um, her like blank stare reminded me a lot of the Mars Attacks alien. <laughs> the, the when she ah, sways ah. and she's just kind of looking at him. And then, like, she's processing information to talk to him. Mm-hmm. It felt very much like that. Right? Yeah, this this one, um, the it's mostly just bites. Like, she, mm-hmm. she bites people, and you don't really see the hug of death in this one. Right. Uh, until towards the end. And then you this, you know, CGI thing comes out of her armpit. Which I could have sworn when we first heard about this, it, we heard it wasn't going to be the armpit. You remember that? I don't remember hearing anything about that. I mean, whether it was going to be or not. Uh, I just kind of assumed it was going to be. I swear I remember them saying that it wasn't going to be. I mean, for the most part, it wasn't. I mean, that's the only area where something came out, but. Well, because she had. But like I was saying, it, it's. Uh, most of the movie is not about that. Right. It, most of the kills are not based on the. Yeah, no, because she at one point she's in a restaurant with um, uh, Hart, Brad, 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 um, and she starts feeling sick again. So she goes to the bathroom and she looks in her mouth. Oh, or right, she yeah. she thought she like bit her tongue or something. Mm-hmm. She goes inside and she's got like these fangs growing out of her gums, kind of like, like a turtle, like the inside of the mouth of a turtle. Sure, yeah, yeah, like the weird. Yeah, she's like it, not even her gums. It looked like it was almost on her lips, like the inside mm-hmm. of her lips. She's got like these. F- fang things and then underneath her tongue she's got this stinger like yeah. a, like mm-hmm. a snake almost um <laughs> i think it actually shoots like some venom or something mm-hmm. out of it so yeah i mean she's been biting people up to this point not really using the 
her secret weapon or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> um, and yeah, so most of the movie, you're kind of wondering if that's ever going to become a thing because they never even really mention it or hint at it. Well, yeah, and then I thought maybe it was like going to be that thing in her mouth that maybe it was going to like start coming out mm-hmm. or, um, yeah. And then that scene in the restaurant, that's where CM Punk, you just see CM Punk like charging from a distance and he just smashes through the window. Wearing, wearing a like a sparkly leather jacket and leather gloves. It's like he's just, <laughs> he's just really sealing up this douchebag role. <laughs> Yeah, and then Brad goes all Hulk and yeah, he goes all aggro. the shit out of CM yeah. Punk. Just murders him. him. Like, without thinking. Like, yeah, he it's just immediate. And the next day they're at work and he's like, hey, are you okay? It's like, you just killed a guy. <laughs> <laughs> are you okay? You Maybe stay away from me. <laughs> um, then there's like a scene in the hospital where there's all these people infected, you know, and it's it's similar to the original where there's two doctors are talking about, you know, we have to get all the people vaccinated and we have to make sure that this doesn't spread. And uh, Nurse Risky is in it. Yeah. Um, Did you, did you, I'm sure you got it, but they, they shot a Santa Claus. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, call back. Yeah. Little uh, tip of the cap. Right. I actually, I, it took me, so like 10 minutes after that to realize that that was a different movie that they shot Santa Claus. <laughs> I'm like, how did that guy, how's that guy still alive? I'm like, whatever. <laughs> and then later on, I'm like, oh, that was the other movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then like similar to the, the scene in the original with the guy in the van with the giant rabies shot. And this one, it's a little kid. Right. And the doctor's just like, yeah, he's got some painful shit ahead of him, but at least he won't get rabies. Right. <laughs> um. And then, you know, since this is only two, from 2019, we obviously don't want to spoil the ending, but I will tell you that it is very, very different. Mm-hmm. Mucho different. Yeah. Uh, there was a, not to talk about the ending, but uh, there was like a scene in an alleyway where she's sick and it her face opens up. Mm-hmm. And so she's like running away. I, I, I don't remember where she was coming from, but... Uh, she's like running away and then somebody was like, Hey, are you okay? And she's like trying to like push, push them away and, you know, make sure that they don't come close. So she goes into like a darker portion of the alleyway. And when he walks up, whoever this, you know, passersby, he was just like some good Samaritan that was Mm -hmm. trying to do the right thing. He's just like, Hey, you know, you shouldn't be out alone this late and stuff. Then she goes in the alley and he's like, Oh, you don't want to go in there. Yeah. And then like that is, I don't know if it was a practical effect, but like it, there was like chittering and like very, very obvious like creature noises. And then mm-hmm. it shows her from the back and like there's kind of like the the scene from Beetlejuice where it's right, yeah. it very much like that where it's, you know, and then the guy screams and I'm assuming dies. <laughs> yeah. And then she just wakes up. Right. And you're kind of not just sure if it's up. a dream or if yeah. that actually happened. Yeah. That happens yeah. quite um, frequently where she just kind of wakes up the next day. Yeah. Going back to what you said about the original, how you, you don't really know this if she remembers. Yeah. This, she talks about, you know, having nightmares. And also in, uh, you know, originally she is a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. She only eats organic and salads and all this stuff. And the and scene so, where she just like takes out the raw steak and then like just tries to it. eat that. And then she's like, nope, I'm just going to take the blood out of the package and dribble that down my mouth yeah and she's like what the fuck am i doing right. like oh my god and i think that's when she she figured out oh something's it's, it's something something's wrong yeah. and yeah. then she starts trying to go back to the 
the the clinic. Yeah, yeah. And this Burroughs guy, he just keeps trying to convince her that it's that she's the having hallucinations. Yeah, it's, it's, Don't worry about it. You yeah. know, it's a result of the anesthetic, or it's your pills, or mm-hmm. something. They're just dreams. Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah. Um, it's funny you made that Beetlejuice reference because I thought the same thing. <laughs> just like, <laughs> or was he say, "Is this scary enough for you?" or something like. Ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Yep. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to give away the ending, so that's kind of where I'm going to wrap it up. Yeah, it 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 does take a weird twist. Yeah, like mm-hmm. something that doesn't really fit in with the rest of the movie. Yeah, kind of turns into like, a little more like, sci-fi, like a almost like a Clive Barker. Film. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very very Clive Barkery, <laughs> and and uh, it it feels very like not to like give away anything, but it feels very like mist like. Like the ending is very mist like. Yeah. Uh, the the two thousand. It's a bigger departure from yeah. the, the rest of the movie yeah. and, and departure from the original for sure. It's kind of like the Oscars were like, "Oh, you want some fucking body horror, huh?" Okay. Yeah. <laughs> goes from I, there. I definitely appreciated that about this because they put into this what I would have expected from a Cronenberg movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think probably they had the same mindset because they're huge Cronenberg fans. Oh, um, um, uh, this isn't part of, or, you know, spoiling anything, but one of the creatures or the, the, the infected or whatever, um, like in the third act, the guy, the black guy who is like, oh has yeah, all the fucking, like all the bubbling on his head and everything like that was really well done. And I assume it's practical effects, but I think that's the same guy that in the, in the alleyway. He does that contortion thing. He does the contortion thing where he he gets up from his like legs and then like he kind of, you know, comes up from his legs and does like the weird roll into himself. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh man, they got somebody to do that. (laughs) That scene was almost like another message because she's like in, in the alleyway lying on the ground, writhing in pain. And these two guys come up, and this guy's like, oh, look at this bitch, and starts filming her. Yeah. Right. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, the dangers of social media or whatever. And then she attacks his friend, and he's, and he's still like, just oh, filming fuck. her. And she's still filming I mean, that's what people do in real it's, life. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> and then randomly, AJ Lee shows up. She's yeah. just there. She's like in the back, and she's a real bitch in this movie. It was like those part of CM Punk's contract or something. It's like, well, can you put my wife and in? It, too? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, you know, the... The third act takes a, a, a hard left turn. Yeah, it's much different weird, than the original. Weirdness, mm-hmm. So, um, I really like the actor that they got to play uh, the doctor. Yeah, yeah, he, he was good, very good. Um, he always had like this, this underlying air of sinister to him. Sinister, yeah. He, yeah, even yeah. like at the beginning when he, when he's you know just explaining the procedure. There's there's off. something. Yeah, there's something wrong there. You know what's so funny is that guy. Like, I'm sitting there watching him. Like, this guy reminds me of somebody. He's got that same just asshole look to, like, aura about him, but he's smiling, and it irritates the piss out of me. It's like, he reminds me of William Atherton. Um, and I look it up, and his, his last name was Atherton. Not really? But as far as I can tell, he's not related. <laughs> it's uh, so weird. That is weird. It's, you know, funny Tony talked about how the Saskas are such big fans of Cronenberg. Because I'm reading the uh, the review on Roger Ebert's site, and uh, they talk about how they have Dr. Burroughs is listening to, it says, the other William Burroughs. I don't know what that means, but uh, read a passage about vampires in his spoken word piece, Advice for Young People. 
says that illusion is a bit too blunt to be clever, but it's kind of charming as a sidelong tribute to Cronenberg's own naked lunch adaptation. And then it also compares uh, Dr. Burroughs to Hal Raglan in Cronenberg's The Brood. So I'm not familiar with the brood. multiple multiple uh, Cronenberg references in this one from the Saskas. Cronenberg is the one that had scanners, right? Yeah, yeah. No head exploding though. and video drone. I don't. Was Cronenberg video drone? Yes. Okay. Yep. I know shit. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this uh, the, this this remake. I, I definitely think it's better than the original. I think probably just because of the they went for it a little bit more than you know Cronenberg did back in '77 yeah. for whatever reason. Um, bigger budget, mm. bigger budget, easier to do things. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, all that good stuff. And I, I, I really, you know, some of the creature stuff was really, really cool. Um, you know, the acting is better because it's you know easier to kind of. Oh, hey, they're in real like 1977. I'm not relating to somebody in 1977, but right. they're in real time now. I'm like, oh, okay, I, you know. She's on her phone. I understand. Mm. So uh, I think that the acting cell was, phones, modern times. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> science. Yeah. Uh, science. Uh, so I think that uh, you know, I think that the the overall movie was was what much better done, and I think that the story translates a little bit better. I do wish that in the original it felt like she was pushing for like an epidemic, and in this movie it she wasn't really going to a bigger city or like she wasn't trying to get to other places because she's already in the city because she's already in the city and like it didn't have the same impact that oh she's trying to make like spread this this disease around yeah trying to spread it out so yeah yeah i feel like they didn't really convey uh the outbreak element as much in this one yeah it was more downplayed mm because i mean you get it when they're in the hospital with like all of the patients but other than that like it was done more with like exposition than actually like showing you it was more just the doctor explaining hey we've got an outbreak on our hands yeah and i think they mention going into uh martial law but you see it more in the original and this one you don't really see martial law being put into place as much so yeah i feel like um that probably that element probably has a lot more to do with um, being able to film in certain places. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I don't know, that could be talking out of my ass here, but you know, if you wanted to go film at a mall or you know get you know shut down a city block to film on, I feel like that was probably easier to do in the seventies. You know, nowadays everybody wants to get greased. You know, you got you, you know you've got signed contracts with the city county you know you've got to hire union workers to Mm -hmm. set up the you know set up the sets and you know you've got to have police everything like that i feel is more expensive nowadays that makes sense um and like i said i I, that's just my yeah vision or not my vision but my inference of it also there's not a lot of malls left it's true (laughs) man it was weird seeing like a like a mall with a lot of people in it (laughs) Because I was just at the uh, mall in my town uh, last week, and it's like, just like there, there's like little spatterings of people all around, and like more, seemed like there are almost more closed storefronts than active ones. And mm-hmm. 
kind of sad. You also have been to the Upper Mall. Crazy, right? Uh, I, I do like that they actually like made Rose a character and mm-hmm. you know and differentiated her pre-surgery and post-surgery. Like, you know, pre-surgery, she was very mousy, she was very timid, and you know, afterwards she became kind of a more sexual being. She kind of embraced her her beauty. Mm-hmm. I and think s- even Chelsea like tells her, like, you're pretty now, so you can be a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, no boobs. No boobs in this one. No yeah. boobs in At the remake. end. I mean Well. Sorta. Sorta. <laughs> I mean, you have to be like you go out technically. Find it, but... Yeah, they were there. I mean, just... they're there. Yeah, but no, Rose was not taking her top up every every five seconds because yeah, she's, she's not n- a porn star. N- <laughs> not Marilyn Chambers. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, that's uh, that's about all I got. I think the only thing I didn't understand the emphasis on was when they kept doing the scenes where they would like have the red pause and flash on like sharing drinks and stuff because it, they don't, you don't see anyone who contracts this through just saliva. Yeah, yeah. All of the people who contract it have been bitten at some point or That's have the point. appendage. So I was like, okay, you're making a big deal about, oh, they drank out of the same cup, but then that never really does anything to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I like every time they did that, I'm like, Thinking that it's going to go somewhere, like they're going to use it as like, you know, s- conveying a you know, catalyst sh- for something. sharing germs. Like I said, mm-hmm. like it's it's really just like a, you know, like don't drink off of your friend's cups because you might get herpes or something. I don't know. Yeah, because <laughs> like, they do it in the bar and they do it later in the like dressing room, mm-hmm. and I just didn't really get it either time because it doesn't affect anybody either yeah. time, and even uh, Chelsea, like says that you know i won't give away too much but like she know when they start to notice that the disease is going around like no one at all at any point has contracted it from just saliva right unless they got bit as well Mm -hmm. which rabies can be contracted just through saliva right yeah i believe so yeah so you would think that would I That's why I thought they were doing it because I thought they were going to play up the whole, the rabies thing and like that it's transmittable more ways than just through like in the original it seemed like pretty much just the appendage you had to be stabbed by and then if you were bitten by someone who had gotten stabbed by the appendage those were like the two ways because yeah. she doesn't really bite anybody in the original it's yeah. all kind of the appendage yeah. that stabs everybody I think I'm pretty sure rabies like um saliva carries the virus but you can't ingest it like you can't contract it from ingestion okay. it has to be actually like, it has to be a wound blood. in yeah, a wound. wound or something oh okay. i see okay so like sharing cups wouldn't no no <laughs> okay it's like uh like uh, aids i mean the same thing i mean yeah you can if you somebody spit into somebody with aids spat into your open wound yeah you'd probably get aids not right. if they spat in your mouth. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, oh, shit. I was just going to say something. I forgot. Oh, I feel like it is like it's faithful enough to the original to like appease a lot of, you know, the hardcore Cronenberg fans. Um, except for that end. That's that's very different. And that's the case. I feel like with most remakes is they just we're going to make our own end. Um, I think I like the end of the original better. I think it was so too. more realistic, that's for sure. Just like 
Which is funny because so much of the, this one feels more realistic. Yeah, the ending of that one's more realistic, but this one, the science stuff at least did. Other than the stem cells, I was like, that's not how stem cells work. <laughs> but okay, whatever you say. Yeah. Tony, which end did you prefer? Uh, probably the original. Yeah. Mainly because this one didn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw where they were trying to go with it, but they just didn't wrap it up in a nice package. So it was a little harder to follow. Well, it's like I thought it was going to... I mean, the logical conclusion. I won't, won't spoil it, but... That happens, and then it keeps going. And yeah. it's just like, what? <laughs> you think it's going to end, and then it doesn't end, sort yeah. of. And there's no explanation why it didn't end in that previous scene. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I just I, I feel like the end is totally different than the rest of the movie, too. Mm-hmm. It It is very, you know, it, thriller or horror, and then it takes a hard right into sci-fi. And I'm yeah. like, this is very weird. Right. Yeah. There's also a very strong uh, use of red in this in a lot of ways, and Mm -hmm. it's not subtle. (laughs) No. No. Yeah. And I don't, it's it's not like, you know, you think of like the sixth sense where every time you see red, you find out somebody's dead. It's just everything's red. It's just just everything's red. Yeah. And I kept waiting to find out that there was some kind of meaning behind it, and there yeah. just never seemed to be. It was or just like somebody really liked red. Or if there was meaning to like the red surgical gowns they had, yeah. I was like, "Oh, is that going to be something?" And it just kind of felt like the aesthetic because they're this posh, weird, exclusive clinic that they just decided to have weird. Or just know, because the Saskas wanted it to be. Yeah, or that. I think that was yeah. probably a lot of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't like the 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 best thing I can infer from that is that it was you know like the the surgical gown or whatever it looked almost like uh like a cassock yeah like, you know like bro like priestly robes yeah. yeah so maybe they're trying to go for like a maybe like a cult aesthetic or something um but that was the best i could come up with yeah. <laughs> but if that's the case that's literally the only time it's it's yeah. broached in the yeah. movie there's there's no other point where you're like oh this is kind of a cult like i one th- one trouble I have with most of the Saskas work is that they just add things in because they think because it's it cool. looks cool, <laughs> which I can respect because sometimes I just do things because I think they're cool. But when it doesn't really, I was waiting for him to like pull out a pair of sunglasses or light a lighter or something. Just <laughs> say, hey, check this out. That's cool, right? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like. In this case, and in pretty much all the cases where they've done that, it's just like it doesn't really add anything, and it's just kind of something that's out there. It's like an appendix. It's like it's just there and doesn't really serve a purpose. But kind like how like in Dead Hooker in a trunk, one of them has an eye patch for no reason. <laughs> it doesn't start out with an eye patch. Like get there. I don't. It's been a while since I've seen that. I don't remember. But yeah, it's just. Yeah, weird stuff like that. I don't yeah. understand. I want to correct something I said earlier because I feel like it might be offensive to some people is that <laughs> HIV can't be transmitted through saliva. <clears throat> Cannot. HIV Cannot. can't. What about full-blown AIDS? You can't just give. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how that works, Taylor. <laughs> HIV is not transmitted through the following bodily fluids. Saliva, vomit, feces, nasal fluid, tears, sweat, and urine. So there you go. All right. Thank you for the correction. Thank you, Dr. 
Tons. I just feel like you know AIDS is or AIDS and HIV is has had enough trouble of people stigmatizing mm-hmm. it, being completely incorrect, just talking out of their ass. Yeah. Because people are going to be like, oh, I heard on the Great Flop podcast that this guy spits on me. <laughs> Don't you spit in my wound, AIDS person. <laughs> I don't want anyone to spit in my wound. It's just <laughs> weird and gross. So I'm going to clean that off for you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, you know what ha- like is like very potent? Or what's Bodily fluid carries the um, HIV virus uh, very potently is breast milk that really struck me as weird i learned that in college interesting oh i went to college i'm so cool <laughs> went to college for a whole semester <laughs> actually it's two semesters so a year that, that's roughly a year was it community college yes all right <laughs> it's fake college <laughs> so it was high school 2.0 <laughs> pretty much <laughs> That's part of the reason I stopped going to community college. I was like, this is just high school. It's like high school, except I'm not explored. Well, I, I don't have to go to, to classes. There. Yeah. Like if I if I go to the cl- if I don't go to class, nobody's gonna hunt me down in the hallway. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, so numbers. Uh let's start over here. Hey, I'm gonna do six point five. Because I think that this movie is, mar- I think it's better than the, than the original, and I would watch it again on my own. Um, and I would also like introduce somebody to this movie. It'd be like, hey, this is a pretty cool, you know, you know, pretty cool body horror esque kind of movie. And you know, it, it definitely feels very Sasuke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'd probably say seven, just because I did I did like it better than the original. I think they improved on a lot of the uh, problems I had with the original, like just not having a good story and it being kind of slow and disjointed. Um, but yeah, it's a Sasuke movie, so just a lot of stylization. And then just not, I can't give it really too much more credit because like, like I said, with the pausing for all of the saliva swapping saliva through sharing <laughs> drinks i'm like you put that in and there's no reason for it so yeah especially if you're gonna make it, it such felt, a focal point yeah to like you know change the lighting and everything just make sure everyone knows this yeah. is a thing but then it's not a thing yeah i'm sure they had something in their mind when they put that in and it like, probably just didn't make it into yeah. the the final but yeah it's still a good movie i would definitely watch it again if someone else is watching and probably also show someone else yeah, I think it's, you know, a lot of people probably consider it blaspheming to say this is better than the Cronenberg original, but um, I could definitely tell that this was done with Cronenberg uh, in mind. Um, and uh, whereas the original was one of Cronenberg's first films, I feel like this was done in a way that conveys Cronenberg's style later in his career. Yeah. So in that way, it's still very Cronenberg. Um, I feel like, like I said, Jen and Sylvia, they'll just put stuff in because they think it looks cool, mm-hmm. which part of me can respect. But as of somebody who's like critiquing a film, 
uh it's just like why is that even in there like you're just it's mm-hmm. it's fluff it's distracting what was the point um that's the thing is it's distracting because you you think it's gonna serve a purpose right and so you keep like kind of waiting for that to come back around and then it just never does yeah mm-hmm. um but no i mean this was definitely a much more solid story um much less uh much less dead air or not not so dead air but just like uh, we talked about the middle of the original was just nothing like it was just the same thing over and over it was kind of boring this one kept it interesting i felt like throughout the entire story um and uh i like that they changed the story enough to be something new but kept close enough to the original to where you could tell it was the same general thought um but yeah, I think I'll probably see seven. Yeah, like I said, I feel like it's you know it's definitely close enough to appease the diehards. Although obviously the ending is completely different. But there's also like little nods, like the Santa Claus thing. Mm-hmm. That's not like a major plot point or anything, but just kind of a you know little wink and a nudge. Um, and my biggest complaint with the original was that Rose had no character. She had nothing to her. You you knew nothing about her, and immediately in this one. That she's got a backstory. She's you know you right. you know who she is. You know her attitude, her opinions on things, her uh, you know her whole sense of being. And there's actually, you know, you you actually connect with the character in ways. In Cronenberg's defense, this one was actually almost a half hour longer. Is it that much longer? Mm-hmm. I knew it was longer. I didn't realize it was that much longer. Um. So, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a seven as well. Yeah. Like it's bothered me. I mean, I'm reiterating what we've already talked about, but like it bothered me so much that the original Rose was the main character and you knew nothing about her. Yeah. It's like, yeah. if you don't want to talk about, uh, you know, the, the doctor staff, you don't want to tell us about heart. That's fine. You know, I'd rather you did, but if you don't, then I'm not going to miss it. But it's like, we should at least know who Rose is and why we should give a shit about her. She's not just a throwaway character. I also like too in this one that like she goes to a real hospital and then yeah. later goes to a plastic surgeon to try and fix her jacked up face instead of just, well, there just happened to be a plastic surgeon nearby and right. was the only mm-hmm. doctor in the, the vicinity. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was funny that they, instead of just naming the, pla- or the, you know, the, the specialized doctor, Dr. Kaloid, General regular hosp- doctor. Yeah, <laughs> regular doctor was Dr. Keloid. Or Keloid, whatever he said. Okay. So, that's going to do it, guys. Episode 150. All done. Yep. Hey. Hey. <laughs> uh, we're going to be back next... No, not next week. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no! <laughs> We've done enough of that. Uh, we're back in two weeks with a brand spanking new episode. These two won't be here. Maybe. Probably. <laughs> um, but uh, we will. You guys like us enough. I mean, people we all like keep it. listening to you. Sure, yeah. Some do. Mostly. People people like us in general. <laughs> We're good enough. We're smart <laughs> enough. And doggone it, people like us. Um, Taylor, what are we going to be watching? Uh, it's going to be our annual Valentine's Day episode. Woo! So we're going to be watching some vaguely uh, love-themed horror movies, namely Honeymoon and Audition. Yeah, because we've really run out of just the straight Valentine-themed episodes. Oh, yeah, we tapped that well a long time ago. 
Yeah, these um like I feel like the only ones like these special episodes that we do throughout the year, uh the only ones that are gonna really hold out are Halloween, Halloween and Christmas and Christmas. Because they're so hot right now. Yeah. Everything else the well is drying. I mean, up. we were just talking about earlier, we may not have a fourth of July episode this year because there may not be anything left. We could just do a fourth of July episode and just drink because that's I mean, obviously we're gonna drink. <laughs> I just wish we had fucking Zemas to drink. I know you do, and I don't understand why. <laughs> it's fun. It's kitschy. <laughs> it's a gimmick. <laughs> it's a gimmick. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, well, like I said, in a couple of weeks, we'll be bringing you our Valentine's Day episode. Till then, Taylor, where can people find us? They can find us wherever they listen to their podcasts, as well as at graveplotpodcast.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. Send us an email. Let us know you did. We'll send you some free things. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram as Grave Plot Podcast or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. Make sure you get your tickets to the Grave Plot Film Fest at graveplotfilmfest.com. And if you want some exclusive content, head over to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Did you hear me struggling through all that last episode? I did. It's <laughs> like Taylor does this all the time. And now soon, when I need to try and reiterate it, it's just not coming out. <laughs> Uh, Max Avalon, thank you very much for joining us, even though we didn't talk about Lovecraft movies. It's okay. <laughs> I'm happy to any time in the future. You guys have anything you want to plug? Hey, come watch wrestling. WAC Pro, WAC Pro Wrestling.com without a cause, WA, or you can follow me on Twitter at Max Wrestling WA because I'm a bundle of fun. The shows are really fun, and I know that I'm a little biased because uh, I help with the shows, but <laughs> they are really good times, so come out. I help sell tickets at the door, so come say hi. Bring money. <laughs> That's preferable, yes. Please bring money. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, so we'll catch up with you in a couple weeks. Till then, I'm Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Great Flat Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. That's the way I like it My garden's a secret compartment And that's the way I like it And that's the way I like it Your body's a dream that turns violent And that's the way I like it And that's the way I like it The winter is long in the city And that's the way I like it So
good Charlotte on the radio And that's the way I like it They play Sleepy Jackson on the radio And that's the way I like it And that's the way I like it